Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. The magic of Tuesday is back. Good evening, everybody. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler. We're the Wise Guys, and we have a loaded show tonight. If you're into BYU in general, you can be into the science department, the health department, or the sports department. This this show is for everyone. It's for everyone. Music department. You forgot the music department. The, so. Yeah, the music department. And I don't know what department. This is the merchandising department. <laughs> but did you notice how carefully I put this over? Because the last time, I almost lost my Well, there girl. was an incident. But, but I see now that she has a lot more... Whatever this stuff is. What's that stuff that sticks together? Velcro. Vel- Velcro. Yeah, she's got, Vel- she's got Velcro She's not waist. going anywhere. She, yeah, she's now, she's in good shape now. That's good because we got a big. She, she's our good luck charm. She 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 never. We've never lost a show no, with her here. we haven't lost a show. We're, we're undefeated on the show and it's because, let's face it, is it really a game or a contest if there's not a cheerleader? Yeah, it's an excellent point. Yeah. And remember when we had Marie Osmond on, uh, we took the cheerleader, and then we superimposed Marie's face on the cheerleader <laughs> yeah, and had her doing she, some cheers, <laughs> and then it went all over the place on yeah, social it was, media. it was awesome. So that's how we roll. Yes. So Utah State's on Thursday night, so everything's sped up this week. Yeah, see, it it's been seems a crazy like, day. It seems like we're all ready almost to the weekend, but we're not. But we're, we but are. we're not. We are not. Uh, we just finished up after further review. Uh, boatload of video from the Wyoming game Saturday night, and a little bit of preview of Utah State, which we'll talk about tonight uh, over the next couple of hours. But um, yeah, it's been a busy day, hopping, and uh, and I love the fact that there's football on Thursday. Yeah, it just it's, it just doesn't happen very often. My, my dad and I were talking about it last night, and he said, you know, I don't, I'm not a fan of the 8:30 at night Saturday games because he said I feel like the the East Coast misses out on the exposure for the teams in the West. And he's, you know, he's got a great point there. He goes, but I do like the Thursday night at six o'clock games because I feel like the entire nation has their eyes on those games on Thursday night. I'm like, daddy, you're exactly right on that. I, I, he's, he was right on the money. I agree with him a hundred percent. And I love that. uh, We'll be on the air at four on game day. And then we are the post game show and all that stuff. Instead of one or two in the morning, We'll be wrapping up around 10 o'clock. Oh, you mean the fact that we went to bed at 3 o'clock in the morning and I had to be at Ward Conference at 9? Yeah, exactly. Is that what you're talking That's about? exactly what I'm talking about. So, so hey, I, don't you we love, love like, 6 o'clock. Don't you love that Mark, Mark Axwell seems like he's always the first guy on the scene. Right out of the gate. And then he says, I'm a major cog in the fan department, which he is. Which he is. And then Bluesville's like, first off, how about our cross-country teams? Rank number we're gonna, one. We're going to talk about that. That's huge. And then Robbie Yuki says it's Wagon Wheel Week, which is important. It Utah is State Wagon, is wagon wheel, wheel Week. We appreciate all of you that are with us and, and checking in with us um, and have subscribed and supported us from the very, very beginning. That group that we just mentioned have been around with us since the beginning of this thing. And if you want to help us grow this show further, um, we would love for you to go to YouTube and subscribe. There's going to be a link in the chat. It doesn't cost you anything. And then we'll amass our numbers there, and, and that's one way to support us. There it is. You just yep. click on the subscription button. Right over there, that little, you know, I can't tell if that's green or red because I'm colorblind. What color is that? On the right-hand side, right below the 
The football. It's red. It's red. Thank you, DJ. You guys know I can't tell the difference between red and green, right? Yeah. I've driven with you. I know. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. On a red light, that's easy. The the red is on top and the green is on the bottom. Plus, green lights in traffic look like they're white. It's the yellow one that gets you confused. If it's a single flashing light, I'm in big trouble. If, because I can't tell if that's yellow flashing or red flashing. And if there's red flashing lights behind us, we're both in trouble. Yeah, because I don't know if that's just a, like, if, I don't know if that's actually a police car. A SWAT but don't unit. police cars have like blue in their lights too? Depends on what city. But yeah. there's but, red I and mean, there's yellow and there's if blue. Basically, if I don't have a little help in the car, I got some problems. Yeah. So when I come up to a four-way flashing light, if I'm just all by myself, I just stop because I don't know any better. If I if there are other cars, I I observe because I'm very observant. <laughs> and I see whether they're stopping or just going through. Please and then be I patient. Can, I it, can determine through the process of deduction, um, or is that inductive reasoning? I think it's deductive reasoning. I don't even know. But, <laughs> or reductive. But I know whether or not I can go, and it has nothing to do with whether I can You see Blaine on the open road. Please be patient. Just, just be, he's, care- he's just be careful best. out there if you see me driving around, because I right. don't know my colors. Here's what we got coming up tonight. We're going to look at the AP Top 25, why BYU didn't move, and where the opponents did move yeah. to. Yeah. Well, and remember, they didn't move in the AP, but they did move up a couple spots in the coaches' poll. Yeah, but I thought we threw that one out. No, nah, well, we kind of do, but it's just like, okay. Unless the, BYU gets high are enough, the then we'll bring it back actually in. noticing? Because now they're only one apart. We're before, I thought, you know, so a little bit closer. Yeah, we'll talk about that. Hey, we're going to break down the lessons learned uh, in that Wyoming game and some of the new stars that were born in that game. We'll set the table for Thursday night, Utah State, just down the road at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Yeah, and then how about who we've got coming on the show tonight? First of all, we've got one of the best safeties in BYU history, a guy. Like, there were a lot of slobber knockers happening out there, when guys were hit so hard, their mouthpiece came out and spit came out of their mouth. When Andrew Rich was roaming the back of that secondary, Andrew, he will knock will your block off. Today. Hey, both of our guys tonight, I, I I know their dads, and I have a great appreciation for both of their dads. So that's pretty cool. Two sons that have great dads coming on tonight. One it's of those amazing is because you and I are both so young that we yeah. know all those. Now, how guys. do we know their dads? Right, Riley Nelson, a guy who played quarterback at both BYU and Utah State, is going to be with us. We're going to relive that 96-yard drive mm-hmm. in uh, 2011 that beat the Aggies and won him the starting job. Yep, yep. And and Riley's dad, KJ's, uh, both both dads are good good friends that I have tremendous respect for. So that's kind of fun. Get to see the next generation. Two good guys as dads, two great guys as young men in Riley and in uh, and Andrew for sure. Yeah, and there's a lot of news on campus, including – the latest BYU athletic team to reach the number one national ranking in their sport. Yes. And uh, their coach was on the Wise Guys last week. That You talk about, we always talk about Sports Nation karma. This is, this is, this it is might even be next bigger. level. This is even bigger. This when is get, prime time when karma. When you get Wise Guys <laughs> karma, you go to number the one. Things in the happen. Yes. You go to so number Ed, one. Ed comes on, next thing you know, they're number one in the nation. Here's what was announced today. And if you're into BYU football, this will perk your attention. Uh, the Cougars announced that they will host Southern Illinois to open the 2024 season. That's going to be August 31st. We already know it's going to be hot. Right. Uh, the Salukis are an FCS program. And the game scheduled against Utah Tech uh, used to be Dixie State. Um, right. That one that was scheduled for 2024 is moving to 2026, and that tells us that 23 and 24 are set minus the Big 12. Well, we're going we're gonna to find out about that. 
the Big 12 schedule for this next season in the next couple of weeks. Maybe next we? week. Maybe next week. Are we going to find out? October. I'm thinking two weeks from now we know at the latest. It's going to be It's going to be so uh, that's, that's the reality pretty, check. Pretty exciting. So let, let's look at the 2023 non-conference slate as it stands right now. So September 2nd, they're going to play Sam Houston at home. It'll be their first year at and, the and FBS, FBS level. FBS level, right? Yeah. So then September 9th, it's Southern Utah at home. So there's your FCS game. And a typical, you know, if this was an independence year, we'd be going, what? But this is not yeah. an independence well, and, year. And on independence years, I've kind of, you know, I've, I've said, hey, if you're going to play, if you have to play an FCS game, play one of the in-state schools. Yeah. Let's just keep the money in the state. Um, but in, in independence year, I was just like, why are, why are they playing an FCS team at all? Right? Yeah. But when they're in now the when know. they're in the Big Twelve, I, I'm saying okay, that's okay. You can play Southern <laughs> Utah. September 16th will be at Arkansas, so this is the return favor for the game here in a couple of weeks in Lavelle Edwards Stadium when when the Razorbacks, nationally ranked Razorbacks, make their way to Provo um, and take on the Cougars. And then September 23rd is when the Big Twelve schedule starts in earnest. The very, very first Big Twelve game will be September 3rd, um, and I hope in the next couple couple weeks. We're going to come in here. We're going to give you the whole schedule for 2023. Where there's your non-conference, Sam Houston, Southern Utah at home, at Arkansas, return trip for. And so you think about that. That's a brand-new FBS, an FCS, and an SEC team in your preseason schedule, which is about what you want to do in terms of balance. Um, Hey, Earl Carr, joining us on YouTube tonight. Thank you. We welcome you. Give me a personal welcome to the wise guys and everybody else on YouTube and Twitch and ysguys.com. All right, let's go to 2024 yeah. since they firmed that up this afternoon before we, exactly. we came on the air. And I, you know, August, we haven't, it feels like we haven't had an August game for a while. I don't know why we have, but just it just feels the like week, we have The weekends have fallen, but, but you just you already mentioned that one. So Southern and, Illinois, August right. 31st, and then a couple yeah. of road games. Yeah, at Utah. How about that on September 7th? That would be awesome. What a night that yeah. would be. Yeah, and I, you know, it's going to be interesting to see as time progresses how often that matchup is going to happen with Utah and BYU. We know they're on I mean, the books for the next, like, seven years, and so we'll see. You want to know what, though? I, I know that everything quieted down because we're in season, but isn't there a chance that those guys could play every year in conference in the Big 12? Still. Still, absolutely. Yeah. So that's not out of the question. No. But next time BYU plays Utah, it'll be at Utah and Rice-Eccles on September 7th, 2024. And then they'll go return last week's game in Laramie. So they'll be at Wyoming on September 14th. Tom Homo said before the game, yeah, we're going to keep that one. And we thought, what? I thought you were going to play Nevada that year. They're not playing yeah, Nevada. No. Uh, and and so this firms that up. And... and uh, yeah, the good news is it's September 14th, not November 14th. Right, you don't want to go to Laramie. I, hey, I just have a memory of Laramie where it snowed so sideways that when I walked into the <laughs> locker room, here's the other crazy thing. It wasn't even snowing in warm-ups, but there was this ominous black bank of clouds that was making its way, and then yeah. it, it hit. Do you remember on uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer when they go, and it hit. The big the, one. The greatest storm of – and. It just started snowing sideways. And I went into the locker room. First of all, I was frozen, did not want to be there. I wasn't even playing. I was a young and And I walk in the locker room, and I look at myself in the mirror, and there's like four inches of snow on the left side of me and nothing on the right side of me. That's how sideways it was snowing. We you, couldn't throw the ball at all. You we know lost. what I learned? You know what I learned from Rudolph? What? That guy was a gamer. You know what yeah, I learned? Yeah, big storm came. What he did? He did his job. No, he was And here's the thing. They say... Uh, 
the thing about Bumbles is Bumbles bounce. Remember, that's what I learned from that, too. <laughs> Remember the abominable snowman? Yeah. When, when Yukon Cornelius says, the one thing about Bumbles is Bumbles bounce. I don't remember. Yeah, well, I remember most of the lines in that. I do not remember yeah, okay. that one. Well, But I don't doubt it. I do not doubt no. it. So, um, and then the Big 12 yeah. will start on September 21st in 2024. So we know the next yeah. two years are and, now and, set. And, and it looks for ev- everything we're hearing that you'll have Oklahoma and Texas still in the conference through that season. Um, yeah, and, and maybe so, maybe we'll get one of them here and one of them. Wouldn't that be on nice to have Texas one time at, at home and Oklahoma one time at home? In yeah, because you know what, we love Steve Sarkeesian, but Texas is not back. No. Texas Tech beat them last week. They got. People they just say, can't get it. People right. say they're back and they're, they're not back. All right, before we get Andrew Rich A on back with Texas us, Texas doesn't beat Texas Tech or doesn't no, lose to Texas no. Tech. Uh, let's recap the Wyoming game real quick, and then we're going to get uh, Andrew's take on things. Cougars won 38-24, a late one Saturday night. Stadium was packed. The Rock was outstanding. Oh, amazing. The environment was awesome. Fire dancers were back. There were more fireworks shot off in the stadium than I've ever seen. Ma- Max Hall was standing with us, and, <laughs> and he just said, where was all this stuff when I was playing? He says, he goes, do, am I not remembering, or did – he goes, how about when you played? I go, no. No, no. The student section wasn't nuts like that, all in one spot. The fireworks and the in-stadium entertainment and the fourth or before the fourth quarter, that break between the third and fourth quarter, and all of that craziness and fun. I mean, this is David Almadova does a phenomenal job of bringing one of the best in-stadium experiences in the country, and yeah. and Max Max and I were just kind of reminiscing and going, yeah. It's all time right now. It was not like that when we were playing. When, when Dave Wood was on the show uh, before the season started, we asked him, hey, is there going to be more fire in the stadium? And he said, well, pending approval. We're still waiting on well, approval. Well, they must have gotten they approval. Got, they got they approval. must have gotten approval. you got to get to a home game. They light that yeah, thing it up. Was, it was pretty awesome. And it'll be festive on, on Thursday. So, Story with Puka Nakua. Yeah, so Puka um, got injured in third quarter on an eight-yard pass completion. He looked in great shape. Ankle looked pretty solid. Um, he was getting open. He was making plays. And then he went to slow down and to cut and we saw him go down and he grabbed the back of his knee and everybody was like what was it did he hurt his ankle again he right. grabbed the back of his the knee giant sixty thousand people was, it, was it his knee what was it and and what we found out afterwards from kalani satake was it no it wasn't his knee or his ankle um that it was some type of a muscle injury probably a hamstring by yeah. where he grabbed we don't know for certain on that but um we cannot confirm or deny, but but do, this we can confirm. Kalani said this is not a season-ending injury for Puka Nakua. So that was the bad news was he came back and got injured. The good news is it was not a serious season-ending yeah. injury. For He's Puka spectacular Nakua. on the field. We all know that. We'll keep you posted. Yeah, uh, on social media or on our show here to. to we're going to get Gunnar Romney back Thursday. That's confirmed, and he's all fired up about that. Uh, Miles Davis was one of the big stories coming out of Wyoming. Yeah. 13 carries, 131 yards, Amazing. all in the second half. He really showed a knack for getting the ball and having great vision. We saw him hit run the cutback lane. We saw him find a seam on the front side of their zone stretch. We saw him get through the hole and accelerate and run away from people. Um, big place. We saw him catch balls out of the backfield. We've been hearing for a, a little while um, Aaron Roderick talking about Miles Davis and that he was this young up-and-coming guy that was going to have a big impact. And, boy, we, we saw that the other night. So I'm going to sit he down really, with he him. He made a statement. We'll see, uh, we'll see Davis unplugged uh, on game day Thursday night yeah. on and, BYU TV. You know, and Keanu Hill is, is a new name no. to anyone. 
Uh, but he had a fantastic game. Those are new numbers. Yeah, five receptions, 160 yards. Wow. His his per catch average. And some of those catches were just phenomenal. Yeah, he was he was you know that's over 30 yards a catch if my math is right, right? Yeah. And uh, and two touchdowns. Um, the first one he did a little dance. Kalani, Cut. he got a penalty. Kalani said to him. Um, he says, I told him. The color him, of the gritty, right? Yeah, he's, yeah, that's the gritty that he did. He, he, <laughs> Kalani said to him, I told him what Norm Chow used to tell all of us, and, we, and I remember this. When you score a touchdown, act like you've been there and like you plan on being there a lot. And so the next time he scored, he just put the ball down and walked out. And, and Kalani wants you to get over to the sideline and, and celebrate with your buddies. And Kalani did the gritty with him on the yes, sideline. Yes, he did. And that's, <laughs> that's, that's the kind of coach he's like, now, this is the appropriate time and the appropriate place. In the end zone, Keanu, that second one, acted like, um, hey, th- I've been here before, because he had just a little while earlier, and in case you haven't noticed, I plan on being here a lot. Yeah. And, and I loved that statement. So, Jaron Hall was outstanding, 26 of 32, 337 yards, four touchdowns. Another game without an interception. On the season now, he's thrown 144 passes, nine touchdowns, and just one interception. His completion percentage is 71.5%. What was, uh, what was your – what did you peak out at? Oh, I don't even remember, 60-something. 60 60. Hey, we, we used to – like our guys that were the starters at that time, like Steve and Jim and those guys – I think that target was listen. We want to be sixty five percent ish, or you know sixty five percent ish, right around there. Um, Seventy one is, yeah, that's phenomenal. That's phenomenal. Yeah, it's really good. Hey, coming up in the next couple of weeks, Rob Jensen, artist, will join us. Travis Hansen, former BYU basketball player, global entrepreneur, will be here with us. Dwayne Oaks is uh, uh, one who spearheads the alumni relations in Las Vegas and the Southwest. He'll join us with plans for what's going down ahead of the Notre Dame game mm-hmm. in that's Las gonna Vegas. Be, that's going to be fun. Curtis Brown and Devin Durant will be with us on October 11th. Brandon Doman is going to rejoin us later in October, break down some games. And Steve Cleveland is a late confirmation today. He'll join us in October as we get ready for BYU yeah, basketball. Cle- Cleveland will help us break down the basketball. Our first guest tonight suited up for the Cougars for three seasons, 2008, 9, and 10. He delivered 127 solo tackles from the safety position, had 10 interceptions, second most in school history. Our pleasure to welcome Andrew Rich to the Wise Guys via Zoom tonight. Andrew, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. I like that uh, studio you have going on there. It looks good. You like the Big 12 stuff in the back? We decided to go Big 12 theme. I like the big twelve stuff in the back. That looks that looks pretty, nice. It's pretty fat. The look you've got behind you is that uh, someone's holding you against your will, and yeah. you're surrounded by brick walls. <laughs> what what's up with yeah, that? Say, uh, this is my <laughs> wife's doing. I'm not going to tell her that you just mentioned that. Uh, oh, they, is, there's oh, the there. See, now that's office. good. This is this is a little bit of a it's a little brick veneer. Okay. Um, see, but you were too close up before because we couldn't see the skull, look, the look, scope, and the skull. From this thing as much as possible, uh, <laughs> given my poor complexion and just ugly face. But yeah, oh, come on. I have to be close to Tell it, your so. wife that uh, we, we love the First, scenery. It's very, it's very what? It's construction like. No, no, it's, yeah. it's no, it's not. It's, <laughs> well, it's, they're bricks. It's construction like. It's, it's no, the brick, the brick look, the brick veneer look on one <laughs> wall is very modern and clean, is what it is. So, yeah. a- Andrew, don't worry Thanks. about Dave. He doesn't. He doesn't really know architecture and style like like I do, 
But, Look, uh, I know right. Pink Floyd, and I see. Right. I know another brick in the wall when I see one. <laughs> so hey, before before you were probably listening, like we were talking about our guests, so we got we got you and we got Riley, and I was just I was telling Dave how much I love your dad and how much I love Riley's dad. You guys. Yeah. You and Riley both have phenomenal dads. I love your dad. We do. We do have phenomenal dads. You know, and believe it or not, our dads, my dad's a couple years older than Riley's. They got after it, man. They played They played against each other in high school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, my dad went on to Weber, and Riley's dad went on to USU. And they uh, they uh, they were both good players in their rights, and um, they still think they can play. Um, and you know, you get the back in my day stories and, um, I was, you know, very blessed to have really good parents. Um, my dad's, my dad's great. I'm glad you, you think, you think a lot of them cause he thinks a lot of, of you guys. He thinks a lot of BYU and, um, kind of a, you know, I don't want to get off script or anything, but you know, my experience at BYU changed my dad's life. Really? How so? Um, so my dad, my dad's got a pretty cool story, pretty cool redemption story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's, he's, he, you know, my dad passed away or my dad's parents passed away when he was 13 and, uh, he was the youngest of five and they were basically lived by themselves and, uh, sports, sports is kind of what kept my dad, uh, going to school and doing the things that he should be doing. However, like, as you can imagine growing up in the the seventies, um, without parents. And, uh, anyways, he, he, he kind of sports kind of guided him. I love that he ended up at Weber state, but, um, my dad, my dad has a, a pretty awesome story about overcoming, um, addiction, you know, his, his, uh, you know, he was in a very pivotal time kind of right when I got back from my mission, you know, right when I left on my mission, and, uh, you know, Bronco gets a lot of heat for the firesides and stuff. Like people always make fun of that. That actually changed my dad's life. Mm. And my experience at BYU changed my dad's life. And so I'm, you know, as much as my dad, you know, my, my dad's grateful for the university. I'm grateful that, that I, uh, you know, got that experience, but, um, big picture had a huge impact on him. Well, and, and I, and I have tremendous respect for your dad because he didn't hide from, from that. And he, shared his redemption story, at least with me. And, yeah. uh, you know, we used to, we used to run into each other at Oak Ridge and, and out and about. And, uh, and I just, yeah. I just grew to have a great love for and respect for him because of, yeah. um, who he had been, where he had fallen and who he had become after all yeah. that, which I think was just a phenomenal story. So, so, you know, I really, uh, yeah. uh, have, have a great appreciation and love for your dad. You know, yeah, same. People dogged those firesides, uh, the squeaky wheels. Uh, yeah. They dogged them on games BYU lost, but, but we've been on the road <laughs> all over the country, and, uh, and we've gone to those. Uh, those are some of the – that's part of the greatest thing of BYU coming to your neighborhood is a fireside before the game yeah. for the whole area. And, um, you know, Kalani's doing them in the summer. They said, yep. well, we can still do them. We'll just do them not necessarily before the, the games. Yeah. But um, but I agree with you. I, I watched uh, whether we were in Michigan or Nebraska mm-hmm. or Virginia. Uh, you watch uh, kids come in and and listen to these BYU football players uh, bear their testimony yeah. and give talks or sing a song, and it has an impact on them it's bigger than yeah. whatever happens at the football game. Yeah, I I totally agree, and and uh, yeah, I'm a fierce defender of those, and I love that Kalani does them in the summer, like. 
And, and you know, it's funny because game prep, everybody's a little different on how they prepare for games. Um, there's some players that it just didn't really resonate with before the game and that's okay. Yeah. Um, they weren't forced to go. And um, there's some, some people that actually helps them kind of calms them. And um, you know, for, for me, it was, it was a great experience. Um, you know, looking back when you're older and you're not in the moment, especially you think about, wow, that was a pretty impactful time for me. You know, I remember, we actually did it one year um, in the Provo Detention Center. And, uh, you know, those are things that you just, you don't forget. And the game is so much bigger um, than, than sometimes I think we get caught up in the moments of, of, of the games. And don't get me wrong, like, I love them. I hate losing. Yeah. Um, I love, you know, I love every aspect of sports. But it is, there's definitely more, more things that are, that you learn in those experiences. So I was grateful that, that, that I had those experiences. I was experiences while I was there. It's kind of cool too. And you got to travel all over the country with, with BYU. Um, the connection that people all over have to the university through the sports program is really cool. Um, and, and you got to, got to experience that, whether you were speaking at a fireside or not, just to see the fan base that would show up. Dave and I are really fortunate. We get to travel, um, sometimes with both football and basketball. I'll never forget, we went down to Vegas um, for BYU's game against Arizona. Was that just last year? Yeah. Yeah. And and they had a they had a, uh, um, fan, like fest. a, a fan festival yeah. Friday night before yeah. the game. And Dave and I are driving out there, Andrew, and we're, we're going, whoa, who decided that this thing was going to be out here? Because this is nowhere near the town. Like, was, we're yeah. 35 minutes out in the, up, out north and west of town. I said, nobody's coming to this thing. We get out there. And 10,000 BYU fans yeah. showed up at that fan fest. And we did a live show from there. And people lined up uh, to talk to us and to talk about, and they were not just from Vegas, they were from all over, about their yeah. connection to BYU and, and the sports programs. You witnessed that all over the country. What's that like when you go even back to the East Coast and just feel the appreciation from the fans that you're there? Yeah, it's it's a, it's special. Like, and I, and I don't think sometimes as like, as a player, you really recognize how, like, until you're, you're, you know, you're in Tallahassee and you realize, Oh my gosh, like, look at all these people here. There's people here that support and, and uh, you know, are just fanatics about the program. Um, you know, I think, I think our, our footprint on college sports and just the world as a whole is so underestimated because like you, you go try, I, I don't know the fan base. Like I remember playing at TCU, you go to like the Dallas Fort Worth area and they are, there are loads of BYU fans, just like that thousands wow. of people. And you're just like, man, this is impressive. And uh, I, I think, you know, especially over the last 10 or so years, you know, the way that Tom and, and, you know, from the athletic side, how they've kind of harnessed, you know, for, for, for fans in Las Vegas to go have an experience and interact with, with some of the athletes and some of the, you know, the people involved in athletics, like that's, that's amazing. Um, yeah, it's, you know, from a playing perspective, it makes a huge difference too, because you, you know, you're not alone. <laughs> Sometimes you get in those places, you feel alone. Like it's, uh, when you can hear people cheer, you know, in the other opponents, uh, section yeah now i was going to bring up the two lane game when i was a junior um and we had like four fans to every one fan that of two lanes that was in the superdome <laughs> but that's not that impressive um but 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 regardless like you're in new orleans and you got you got you know a few thousand people there to watch you clear you know clear far away it's it's uh 
unique, definitely unique at BYU. Andrew Rich is with us on the Wise Guys tonight. Uh, Wyoming in town now, out of town. What what's uh, what most impressed you from that game the other night? Yeah, I uh, so first of all, Wyoming they. Like BYU is Wyoming Super Bowl, in my opinion. That might be a biased like view of how they, you know, how they really think. But you could tell they were prepped and like they were locked and loaded to play us. Um, I thought I thought they played physical. I thought they had a really nice scheme, um, and and you could feel their their desire, you know, to to compete. And and which I I have a lot of respect and admiration for the way that they play. Um, you know, I probably like most fans was a little nervous there in that first half with just the energy. And I was a little bit surprised how, how well, how well they or tough. They played us in the trenches. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, Hey, we're going to, we're going to gash these guys on both sides of the ball, um, you know, from, from start to finish. And, and I was, you know, they played us tough that first half. Um, they're always physical. What I, what I, what I came away from the game thinking like, wow, there are some people to me that really stood out. You guys talked about uh, miles Davis, like mm -hmm. burst. Um, like the, that, that kid had some really, some really special plays that he made. You know, I can't imagine being a sophomore and playing at that level. Like I, I was a return missionary, you know, 21 when I'm playing it, like, it's just, it's impressive to see guys like that step in and play. Um, from the defensive side of the ball, like I had never really watched Micah Harper play. Mm -hmm. Like he's physical, man. I was like, dude, he next to Max might be our most physical defender. And he made some really good plays. Um, and, you know, I thought obviously in the second half, we, we, we made some good, you know, we made some good plays offensively, defensively. We played pretty much, you know, tough the whole game. Um, Jaron continues to make throws that you're just like, wow. We, we were like, watching. Him on, we were watching that. him on film today, Andrew, um, for for after for the review show that airs right before this, and we've already seen it before because we we looked at the film to get ready for the show, but we'd watch the throw again, and Dave Nixon and I would look at each other and go, "What in the heck? That is a great throw." He had a bunch of those in that game, didn't he? Yeah, like the you know the big long one to Hill, like the hit, the catch was great. The throw was like. Wow, that was that was special. He's made some like cover two hole shot throws mm -hmm. that have been impressive. Like I was texting with with some of the guys saying like, man, I don't think we know how lucky we have been over the last. Like you, you watch a guy like Jaron and, and you know, and Zach, <laughs> it's like back that to is back, like, right? <laughs> holy cow, that is like, you know. Any, anyways, we've been lucky to watch those guys play um, at the level that they play and the throws have just become common to, to us like viewers that one day we're going to look back and say, Oh my gosh, that guy, like, cause you, you just don't see throws like that consistently for that many years at, at a university, I guess at BYU, you know, um, with the quarterbacks we've had come through, but I've been, I've been really impressed with him. Um, What's it like uh, for a safety since you played safety What's what's it like for a safety to try and contain a Jaron Hall? It's a nightmare for for defenses because he extends the play, and when you're not like a four three guy like me, it just you got to hold and grab and get a little bit. <laughs> uh, you know, when you play a quarterback like that or a team like that, 
honestly, you got to be really, really physical up front and just slow people down through physicality. Um, but when you have a team that's physical and you also have a quarterback, that's like an NFL guy that can make throws. Like we, I played against my senior year, Kaepernick, mm-hmm. Andy Dalton, Christian Ponder. Mm. And, uh, Oh, that's I'm not, that's not one. a very good group. Holy mackerel. Uh, oh, Andy Dalton. Did I say, him? yeah, yeah. Andy yeah. with TCU. Yeah. He was great. And so has there, been great. There was, oh, Jake Locker. I'm thinking of Jake Locker. Yeah. So oh, those yeah, are, those it. are the four, like those are like four first round, early second round guys. And Ka- Kaepernick was by far the best because he could do, he could hurt you so bad with his feet, um, and he was a, he was a, a, enough of an accurate thrower, um, but he wasn't. I mean, Jaron can throw like not even not even a comparison between the way that those guys throw the ball. Plus, Jaron's as fast as he is, so you know nightmare type stuff. Fortunately for us, like Wyoming didn't have any burners, you know, that could. Mm-hmm. Um, um anyways i interesting so we were watching and i I wonder what your thought is on this and and how things change so dramatically so those first two drives wyoming goes down and they're like seven runs into the game in two drives and they're averaging 9.7 yards a carry and we're all going what in the heck this is what happened last week then just like that magically for the rest of the game they average two yards a carry and when it's all said and done BYU holds them under a hundred, under three hundred yards, and they average three point six yards a carry by the end of the game. Yeah, how, how does that just? How does it so bad to start, and then all of a sudden they got to figure it out, and then Wyoming can't run the ball anymore? What happens? Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I, I actually, t- to me, so I think there's a couple of things that happen in, in those type of situations. One. I think as a player, you kind of get like slapped in the face a little bit. You know, there's like some pride stuff that happens when, when teams are rushing the ball like you, like on you like that. There's this feeling of like, they're going to just try to out physical us and they believe that they can. So there's that, there's that element of like, I need to get my button gear. Um, there's also the element of like trying to, you know, it, it's the first kind of few rounds of a boxing match where you're trying to feel what the other, what the other group's going to try to do to you. And it was pretty apparent that Wyoming thought that they could just out physical us. Um, and, and obviously there were some adjustments made. Um, you know, there's some, to me, it's all the college football is all about making in-game adjustments. And I think, I think we may obviously made the right adjustments to give them credit. Like that, that running back was a good player, man. Mm-hmm. Like well, yeah. he, he's a, he he's a Doak Walker award preseason watch list guy. Like he's very, yeah, good. I didn't know that. That yeah. makes sense. Like you watch him run and the way that he moved, like he's a good player. Um, and you know, we, we were pretty thin. It seemed like we, we, we lost some, we lost some dudes up front. And so, you know, some of the guys, you know, filling in kind of getting their first reps and getting a feel for what that looks like. It just takes a little time. Um, you know, if I, if I was looking at that and this is how, probably how, um, Tuiaki looks at it, it's like, okay, I don't, there's not a guy on the outside that I feel like can beat us. I'm just going to load the box and make this quarterback try to make some throws, which eventually we did and he couldn't. And we got some sacks and some good coverage sacks and um, the rest is history. But yeah, the adjustment was, was definitely big time. Yeah. And you know, a lot of those young guys um, got some important reps. I think you're right. They probably did learn to adjust and play at that speed because they hadn't before. There's a bunch of young guys in that defensive line, Micah Harper, who they had big plans for, um, and then he got an injury, and now they're just kind of bringing him back, and he's back healthy again. So we're seeing the guy that they thought they'd have a couple years ago. But right. guys getting reps. And now 
with with about one exception, everybody's coming back this week. So what does that say for the depth when those young guys all got a chance to play and now all the veteran guys are coming back? That's got to be good, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no no doubt. I mean, it's good for now. It's good for later. Um, you know, you, you always are – you don't know how those, those young ones are going to react in, in the moment, and that's a perfect game for them to get some – get some reps and get a feel for how quick the game is. And then just overall from a confidence level, um, they're more, they're more prepped and ready. You know, when you have to prep for a week um, and you're going to be a starter, I actually remember starting my first game, David Tafuna. uh, He separated his shoulder in a fight in practice, which I was like, (laughs) okay, man. So I, I, uh, you know, worked with Kellen and, you know, you prep and you just, you just look at the day, the game differently when, when it's actually your time to like either make plays or get plays made on you. Like you just, you prep differently, you look at the game differently. And so the more, the more chance that those, those young guys get, um, the better, the better, obviously the better off that we're going to be both in the short term and the long term, because the way college football is now, um, you know, you're one play from a guy getting his cap ripped off, getting ejected like you that wasn't really the case for for me at least and no tar- um, no targeting eliminating you from a game immediately no. yeah right that's right like like you got to be you got to be ready because this guy might get a bogus targeting call or it might be a legit one but you you actually have to play um where it just it was it was a little different um even the way that they handle injuries like i hate to be like one of those guys like oh in the glory days like I think medical, medically, um, the way that we, we train and take care of, of players and athletes is, has evolved over the last 10 years. And so it just it, it just forces you to have depth. Otherwise, you'll just get eaten alive. Yeah, way more conservative. I, I will say this. When I played, and even when Andrew played, you got sent <laughs> back out there in situations well, where they you absolutely dirt on you. would never get sent back out now. So, That's where oh, they no. said, hey, put some dirt on that and head Let's back, get back get out. Back out yeah. It's like, how many fingers yeah, do I, I have up? And Andrew's like, <laughs> I mean, four. Like, well, three. That's close enough. Get back out there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, it was, hey, let me find a teammate that will help me remember these three words in the <laughs> concussion protocol so that when the guy comes back and asks me what are the three words, he can just whisper them to me, you know? Like, it's just, it's different. And it's good, right? You, right. You know, it's good. Uh, it's all good. So it's all, it's all good. Stuff. So what, what about Utah state? You, you went two and one against the Aggies in your time. Um, what's your thought on this week's game? What it means, maybe a little scouting report for us. Yeah. Um, so the, the, you know, the in-state games are interesting because there's a whole different energy that comes from playing the in-state games. So it's almost like the record stuff doesn't really mean anything or, or as much like, the last thing as a player you want to do is think, Oh, these guys are one and three. And like, uh, I hope they don't think that I, you know, I know that Utah state's not going to feel that way. I mean, there's no pressure on Utah state, right? I mean, they, they're, they're in a good spot um, from a pressure perspective. So I, I, I love the in-state game. I always loved competing against, you know, that game always mattered to me. um, It mattered to the team. Um, you know, we're kind of in a Utah State's in a peculiar situation. You know, I was actually down at work today, and there's a bunch of Utah State fans, and of course, like I do my best to just you have give to. those guys a hard to. time. Of yeah, course, it's, you so do. it's an obligation. It's so easy right now. Um, <laughs> and being from Ogden, and my dad playing at Weber State, like oh, oh yeah, anyways, you got that going for you too. I got that. I got you know UNLV stuff. I've got it all. Why, why, why hey, Andrew? That, why do these guys take such offense when we when people say that? 
you know, Utah State University in Ogden. They, they, why do they not like that? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, whenever I tell people I'm from Ogden, too, they always they, they do either think I'm either a gangster or that I went to Utah State um, because people <laughs> legit sometimes think that. But, you know, the, ga- the game's interesting. I, I feel like it's kind of a trap game because, one, it's in-state, and, two, they've, they've lost some games, and so obviously they're going to be motivated. I'm curious to see at the quarterback position what they do. Um, they know, could I, go with the Legat kid. Eight interceptions uh-uh. and and only what is it? Eight interceptions it's, and six touchdowns. It's hard for Blake Anderson to sit him that's, down because he brought him with him. That's he scary. Brought, bad. He brought him with him. So there's that. But but he's also you know at this point in time like you you've got to make some sort of a change or adjustment. Otherwise, like people check out and yeah. and where where they're one and three, you know, like to me, I would start that young kid and say, I'm going to give him reps. You know, maybe, maybe they look at it like, Hey, we're not going to start him because we're going into Provo and we're playing an in-state game. But, um, you know, Utah state is always like watch them last year. Holy cow. They made, they, they were a good team. They made really good plays. They had some really good athletes. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see, you know, kind of what, what they try to, what they try to do, um, schematically. I'm not, I'm not quite sure. Honestly, I don't th- I don't think they know. Um, now they're averaging 15 points a game. I'm not sure there's a strategy I, 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 behind I don't any remember of that. Utah State averaging 15 points a game. And, no. And, and like what Andrew's talking about, that's a hard decision that, that Blake's got to make because if you do go with the Lagaz kid um, and he falls flat on his face, then where do you go? You know, that yeah. that's a hard thing. And do you say, you know what? BYU's really good this year. And... Maybe we ride this thing out another game, and then we get into where the competition is a little, Conference. yeah, where yeah. we have a little more opportunity, yeah. and then I then I play the kid of things. I don't, I don't know. I, I'm, I would be talking to myself. Maybe I should do this. Maybe I should do that. I do. I'm glad I'm not in the position that Blake's in right now because that is not an easy decision to make. Yeah, no, it's not. And and you know, it's the other hard thing is like, you know, they won the conference last year, and he was, you know. The, the quarterback was, you know, they were you know, he was there. And so that's, that's the other hard thing is I think, you know, he probably feels some loyalty from that aspect as well. Um, you know, to me, the key, the keys to the game, you know, to me, like offensively, like rush the ball, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. like if we can, if we can rush the ball, we're, we're going to be in a good spot. Um, and then like, where you get a team that's like desperate like this and they, you know, they, they start to do some of the trick stuff. Like you got to eliminate the, the big plays or the, like the, the trick plays, the long plays, if you can eliminate those and make, you know, make Utah state sustain a consistent drive and make play after play during a drive, like BYU's got a, you know, obviously a really good chance to, to, to perform really well. To me, those are the, the two things that I've, that I've that I've thought about as, as they kind of enter this game. It's a great opportunity for BYU to uh, have ESPN all to themselves on a Thursday night. For for Hall, there aren't many nights left where he gets his own night. Yeah. Now, granted, there's an NFL game on on Prime. You can find it yeah. or subscribe yeah, to it, but but ESPN's just right there. So you got Hall. It's really an opportunity for Hall to establish himself and then to back it up against Notre Dame and Arkansas and. Um, you know, for Miles Davis and the Aggies are 118th and stopping the run. If he's legit, he's going to have a huge night right. against these yeah. guys. It'd be nice to get him some confidence um, so going I, in Notre Dame. I, I think that's a huge opportunity for BYU, despite yeah. Utah State's one and three. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know, 
to, to me, yeah. And I Gunner's back. That's, that's going on. And Gunner's back. Uh, I'm excited to watch him play. Um, you know, I again, I don't know what the extent of his injury, but I'm excited that he's feeling healthy enough yeah, to we, play. We were talking about it. We were talking about it, and this this is an interesting one, Andrew. So, and the only reason we're freely talking about it now is because his mom tweeted about it. So I'm like, okay, if his mom's talking about it, then I guess we hey, can talk it's about public it. information, right? So, yeah. so when he <laughs> fell on the ball um, before the season. He injured his kidney. It was like the first Saturday of fall camp, and mm. and so they were they had to do a series of scans and wait till his kidney was healthy again. Like so, it's not that's not something you mess around with. But no, the only thing like he was back where he could do whatever he wanted from a workout perspective. He just couldn't be hit, and so his injury yeah. is so different than most injuries. I mean, he's been lifting like a crazy man, running like he's almost been. He's been training for the combine, running speed ladders yeah. and doing cutting drills and all this stuff. So he's not your typical guy coming back from an injury. He's going to come back unbelievably fresh and unbelievably fast Thursday night. Yeah. Um, because it's not a leg or an arm or a shoulder or a hip or anything like that. Yeah. And the good news is the scan, you know, at least according to his mom, he, he's like ready to roll. And so I, I feel awesome. like this is the kind of injury where he could come back and look really fast out there, which I think will yeah. be fun. So you're, you're, what's your thought on all of that? Yeah, I, I mean, the uh, I think the hardest part for him, you know, coming back from an injury like that is more mental, right? Like, it's a physical game, and you, you know, you, that stuff maybe is in the back of your mind. But you think about what he does and what, like, a healthy Puka does to an, for, for Jaron and the whole team, right? You're, you're all of a sudden stretching the field, and everyone talks about, oh, well, the tight ends, this, the, like – those guys will only help because, you know, everyone knows that, that, uh, you know, we've got, we've got a couple of now one NFL guy tied in. Like if I'm a safety, that's where I'm spending my time, man. Mm -hmm. And and now that you got a guy that can blow the top off and maybe two guys, cause Hill is like playing out of his mind. It just, it, uh, it just changes the dynamic of how teams prepare for you and they have to play you. They have to play you much more honest. Andrew um, Rich is Andrew. I Riley Nelson's coming up in just a bit. Andrew Rich is with us on the Wise Guys, and and bring your questions, and, yeah, and we'll get I, after them. Let's ask there. a couple of these. So, um, uh, Earl Carr is asking us, do you have a favorite memory from playing the Aggies when you played? Ooh, um, well, I have a bad memory. I'm not going to share that one. My favorite, my favorite, <laughs> probably my junior year. Um, I had a, I had a, actually a really a really good game. We played they played us they played us tough. You know they had Robert Turbin and they had Bobby Wagner mm -hmm. and they had some really good athletes and they were kind of just starting to crest that that hill of being a you know a really good team. Um, so, you know I don't I would say that you know my junior year was the best. My my sophomore year, so Kellen's senior year, you'll probably remember this. We we won. We beat them by like probably thirty, and they scored a touchdown maybe in the last like couple minutes. And honestly, we walked off like it felt like we had lost the game. Like their fans had lost their minds because they scored, and we were nationally ranked. That was a weird experience. And then I actually got injured my senior year. Yeah, Duff Tittle, um, uh, BYU Sports Information, was telling me today about this hit that he saw you take in the Aggie game. In that senior year game. That was just uh, yeah. brutal. Yeah, that was a bad one. Uh, you know, the way that it was kind of, you know, playing in the opponent's place. You know, if you guys remember, um, Jaime Hill actually got fired after that game. Our defensive coordinator. Right. It was a, it was kind of a turning point in our season. Um, 
And so that was, that was definitely not a great memory, but it was the start to a good thing. Um, but your but your junior year, you, you beat that team your junior year, right? And yes, and people forget that Bobby Wagner, like he was arguably the best defender in the National Football League for a decade, oh, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, and Turbin yeah, was a phenomenal side. you know NFL caliber running back. To beat that team was something special. Yeah, we we uh, they were good, man. They had some really good athletes. Um, I made a play on fourth and one. Um, on Robert Turbin in the open field. And, and I like to say that it was me that just was just athletic, athletically superior to Robert, but that's not the truth. He kind of slipped because our grass was a little bit wet, but I was like, <laughs> he slipped simultaneously as I was making a play on it. It looked like it was a better play. Than he, got afraid. Was. he slipped on purpose because he was afraid you were going to yeah, just he's jack afraid. No, he, he, uh, he was a good player. And he, man, that guy like standing next to him, like I don't even remember. He is oh his guns, guy is, yeah. his guns loaded. were all time. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the next year, maybe he was a. I'm trying to remember what year he was because the year he hurt us really bad one year at BYU. That might have been after I left, but um, yeah, that that you know that was a that was a good year. Obviously, offense offensively we were click we were clicking and scoring the ball and. That, yeah, was, that, was, that was probably my, my best memory. That was a fun one. So, um, Tyson Pay, uh, Price is asking us, he says, hey, hey, Andrew, how many games do you think BYU wins this year? So what, what, what do you think they'll finish with? Can I pull up their schedule? Can you, can yeah, you guys tell me? Yeah, we can tell you. So here, here's who's left. So, so right now they're 3-1, and one, right? And, yep. and left is... Utah State, yep. Notre Dame, Arkansas... Yeah, I'm gonna have to pull it up right here. Uh, East Carolina, Liberty, Boise State, Utah Tech, and Stanford. It, it, it's interesting because Boise State's um, down this year. You know, it, U- Utah State I, is down this year. We thought we I thought mean, they'd be playing the two best teams in the Mountain West this year, and Utah State and Boise State, and they're both down. You know, Wyoming yeah. might be the best team in that league. I think they are, and that was not who. It was either Wyoming or Fresno State right now, or the two best yeah. teams in that league. San Diego State's also good, but not as good as they've been. So, so uh, yeah, I, I think we get Notre Dame. Yeah, I think going to Arkansas. Arkansas's Arkansas coming up here, so Notre Dame's neutral at, at, New, in Notre Vegas. Neutral. Arkansas, Arkansas is coming up here. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a good one. They're good, man. Yeah, they're Arkansas good. Arkansas is staying good. Um, Liberty is another like that, that's going to be a tough one, like a surprisingly hard game. And that's now, at Liberty. Q, at Liberty, their QB left. Right, they're, yep. they're really good with Malik. So, yep. so I think we win that one. East Carolina um, so we, at BYU. We go two out of three there. We beat East Carolina. Uh, Boise State I, I, at Boise. We're gonna lay it on. We're gonna lay it on K-pop up at Boise State. Okay. Um, <laughs> and then Utah I Tech actually, at Dixie, the old Dixie at BYU, yeah, and then Dixie, at Stanford. And then Stan- at Stanford, I mean, Arkansas. I, I think Arkansas and Notre Dame. If we go, if we go two and zero against those teams. They're top. I mean, we're, they're, we're, you're we're, saying they're they're eleven and one and in the top twelve at that point. Yeah, we're in really good shape. I, you know, I'm a I'm a blue guy. Obviously, I want BYU to win. I think I think we might go. We maybe we split. Right. Right. Um, I think we could win. I think we could win ten games. So ten um, and two. And you want to know what? At the beginning of the season, like we were all saying, I I put the over under at nine point five, is what I was saying. Yeah. Um, and and now I might I'm I'm with you. I might change it to ten as my over under. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I mean, I think that obviously the the glaring toughest game that we have, um, you know, I think Notre Dame, Notre Dame to me doesn't have the quarterback that could is going to be knocking down Giants unless they make a change there. 
Arkansas is a good team mm-hmm. and they're a physical team. And that quarterback, that quarterback is good. Dynamic. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, athletes in space have always caused problems for us. And mm-hmm. that's, that's what Arkansas is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the other, the other, the other teams, you know, I watch. I was watching Boise losing to UTEP, and I text my friends like, "Only if Utah and Boise State and Utah State could lose like in the same week." That would, that would be, be like the dream. That, is that the trifecta dream of all dreams the, for you? That's the trifecta. Dream it might be this week. Now, it may be this week. I want the. I want whatever Coach K Pop's coaching to be good, but other than that, you want his position group yeah. to be good, but not that school. Yeah. Yeah. A couple more exactly. questions for Andrew Rich tonight, and then we've got five quick hitters before we'll we'll let you go. We sure appreciate your time here on the yeah. Wise Guys. Uh, some of your big hits: September fifth, two thousand nine, Cougars go to Dallas Cowboys Stadium, beat Oklahoma fourteen yeah. thirteen. Sooners ranked number three. Your defense holds them to thirteen points. What was your favorite moment from that day? I mean, obviously, them seeing the field goal uh, fall short. You know, I think I think the moment for me that was really cool, like. personally right like I played as a sophomore but like actually being like a starter going into a a, a game playing you know the number three team rank you know number three ranked team in the country Heisman Trophy winner like that was a moment for me that was really special like man a lot of hard work's been put in to to get there um so so that was that was really cool and then just feeling feeling like we could play with what you would consider to be a top tier, you know, school in the, in the country, like athletic, athletically, um, you know, I, I felt it just did a lot for the for, for my, my personal confidence as far as my ability to play. Um, but, but really like, if you think about that, when, you know, we didn't have Harv, you know, That's right. seeing a guy like Brian, Brian Korea, who wasn't on any scouting report, come in and just tough as nails, um, play really, really well. Obviously Max made some big plays, um, you know, the celebration with coaches and just all the time and effort and energy put in an off season to go into that game. Um, that was, that was really cool. That was another game where you look in the stands, like the, you, you look in the crowds, like BYU, like there were so many fans at that. That game. was great. It was great. That, it, you know, we're playing, we're playing down in Oklahoma country, obviously close to Texas. And we had so many people there and the support was, the support was amazing. Um, you know, I, I always laugh because everyone's like, oh, well, Sam Bradford got hurt. I'm like, oh yeah, they just pulled out their five-star quarterback and added another five-star that broke every high school throwing record ever. I feel really bad for him. Um, <laughs> so so that was that was a, those are some of the special highlights of that. That was sure. pretty fun. When I hey Brian Korea Davis High boy, yeah. so he and Davis he and my High son did. Landon went and won a state championship, beat Cottonwood like fifty two to fifty one or something crazy like that. So Brian was no stranger to winning, but what a night he had! Unbelievable. So okay, it, next next yeah. next one, Andrew, November twenty eighth, two thousand nine. You've got an interception and a fifty two yard return. And BYU's 26-23 overtime victory against Utah. What what sticks out yeah. to you on that one? Um, well, the pick the pick was a great was a was a great highlight for me. Um, remember, we were playing cover two, and they were they ran a tie they they ran a tight end, and we they thought we were just going to run like a Tampa two, and the middle linebacker yeah. was going to run, and yeah. I cheated. Um, you know, the physicality and just the raw emotions of that game were amazing. Uh, that was the first time in however long that also Tom had 
allowed us to wear the Royals. Yes. So, so the energy was like ec- extra, um, just, just a good old fashioned battle, man, with some really good athletes from, from the other side that, that wanted to win. And, and, uh, you know, I'm so glad that we won this last year because that was the last year we had won, right. We had beat Utah and it had been, it had been a really long time. And so, um, you know, as a kid, you just, you dream of playing in those type of environments where it's just, it's so loud. Like the energy is just, you know, you're in the locker room and you can just feel the people before the game just going like that. It, that's special. And that's why, uh, you know, you, you remember those moments forever. And even watching like highlights, like my little kids will pull up BYU games and sometimes I'll see that and like, you can't really ex- explain to them what, what that feeling is like. Um, and that was a, that was a special one for sure. 2010, December 18th, couple of interceptions against UTEP in the New Mexico bowl. You're named the defensive MVP. Yeah. I got a, uh, uh, dream catcher as the trophy for that, uh, for that bowl. I still have that thing. That's cool. Um, you know, so, so that <laughs> game was special to me for a couple of reasons. One UTEP was actually one of the very few schools that had offered or given me an opportunity to play at a high school. And the only reason that they looked at me is because coach price who had coached at Weber state. He coached my dad at Weber state. My dad made a phone call and coach price had just came from Alabama after that big scandal. Yes. Yeah, remember that. Yes. And so, um, I thought it was fitting that my last game would be played against a guy that, that I admired and that coached my dad. Um, you know, that, that, that senior year was a hard year. Um, you know, we started, we, we won the first game and lost four straight and it was a battle to try to get to be bowl eligible. And, um, you know, we were in New Mexico playing, playing in a bowl game where, you know, we'd been in Vegas previously. So we went from like living this cool, getting these, all these cool gifts to like, Hey man, you guys are going to go to this balloon, uh, this balloon <laughs> museum. Yeah. And, uh, so it's it definitely it's a, a land of enchantment for a variety a land of reasons. Of enchantment. Yeah. Green chili burgers. <laughs> um, but, but what was special about, about that, that, particular year or that you know for me I learned just a ton about about just teamwork and overcoming adversity and quite honestly you guys I could look across our our roster and I felt like every team probably was more athletic than us and um you know Bronco Bronco if you remember like we started we, we just like just like, we got to change things. We got to change the way we're doing things. And Bronco started wearing a gray shirt. And I think getting fined by Nike every week because it was the shirt that we all wore, wore underneath our jerseys because it was, a, it was a time to just change. And, um, that was, that was a good learning moment for me. Um, you know, it's, it was, it's always hard when you have a tough season under like your, your watch, right. I feel like it was yeah. under my watch. Um, but you know what we ended, we ended on a, on a good note and, um, that was a hard year. But I, again, learned, learned, learned a lot, gained a lot of respect for my teammates that stuck it out. And uh, you kind of, when you get in those moments where you lose and you have some struggles, you get to learn about really who's in it and uh, made some lifelong friendships and, and uh, that year. Which which prepares you better? Like, so now Andrew, you're, I, I, I tease Josh that you're, you run Domo. Right. So I know, I know that you run, don't I wish. And uh, hey, tell him to, yeah. So, so, uh, 
now that you're running Domo, what which and and, and by the way, Andrew has a very prominent role at Domo does a phenomenal job there I'm not I'm not just I know he doesn't run and I know Josh and those guys run it but you know why Andrew might as well run it because he's he's taking care of that sales force and, and doing a phenomenal job well, our friend Greg Olson's his yep. PR yep. Uh, yep. yeah Greg, Greg our good friend works with yeah. you guys he's got terrible sales force hygiene but he's a good guy yes exactly <laughs> but but I the, the the question I wanted to ask was which which prepares you better for a role in after football like you have now where you've got to deal with people and coach them up and do all of that, is it the tough year, that senior year? Or is it the glory year when, when you know you and Kellen were playing together and you were ranked nationally yeah. and just spanking people? Which is better preparation or maybe are they both preparation in a way? Yeah, I think I think there's two there's kind of two aspects to me. Um, one, like adversity is the master teacher. And all truth lies in adversity, in my opinion. Like you really find out who you are when you're when you're faced with adverse situations. And so, to me, adversity um, is a must in 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 order to learn. Um, now, what's great about winning is like you know you look at you you look at those really good years and how leadership can impact winning, but also preparation, the right people putting people in the right place. Um, so, so I think that there's, you know, there's two really both allow you and prepare you. Like if you can taste what, it, what it's like to win and to be under the spotlight and, and to have, um, have those experiences, like those are really valuable too. Cause you're able to see, wow, my hard work has paid off and has allowed me to be successful. Um, the adverse situations, while they're not, you know, always loved, they, they, they really are that, you know, that's what allows you to get a, a really good bearing on who you are and what you believe, as well as the people around you that are facing similar, similar adverse situations. So I, you know, my, 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 my transition from, from football to work has been, you know, there's uh, everything is so relevant, winning, losing, happy, sad, um, hard conversations, good conversations, like all those things translate. And that's why I love college sports. That's why I love sports. And that's why I love youth to get involved in sports because it teaches those, those experiences, maybe not at a huge, huge level, but from a, you know, it teaches those, those things. And so I'll, I'll never, I'll never, you know, everyone's like, well, are you going to let your kid play football? I'm like, are you serious? How many opportunities this thing's created for me? How many lessons I've learned? Have I been knocked around and had some surgeries? Yeah, but you know what? It's taught me a ton. I think so, he's ready for I've five questions. Yep. Yeah. I think that answer I, has you ready for five questions. Yeah, we do the five. We do the five rapid fire. You don't even think about it. You just answer them. First okay. thing that comes to your head. We're we'll gonna start with your favorite sports movie. Rudy. You All know right. what? That was on last night. I was flicking through the channels and Rudy was on, and I cannot if it's on. It doesn't matter what else is on. I stop. Everything stops. Although I do feel like people have been giving Rudy some shade. Like I'm pretty sure, like John uh, or Joe Montana did. Um, he kind of bagged on Rudy, but Rudy, you know, easily for me. What's what? I, you know what? I might punch Joe when I see him if, just for that comment. <laughs> if you're gonna do comment, that, will like, you record oh, that? Do you know? You know what? Like, I think Joe's just mad that Rudy's a BYU guy now. He could be. Yeah, we, we brought him over. Yeah, we brought him over um, to. I, the... I actually loved Notre Dame growing up, and that's partly why I loved it. Like I had it with my, I was watching my kids maybe a few years ago, and I literally like was trying to hide because it made me tear up. Yeah, yeah um, exactly. Because I just it, it's it's that stuff's real. So Rudy, it, that's a great one. How okay. about favorite singer or band? 
Ooh. Um, right now, my favorite, you know, I, I really like Morgan Wallen right now, but I would say, um, he's country know, overall, guy. The, the, Beat, the Beatles are like, I don't know how you, they're iconic to me. My dad and mom um, listen to them all the time. That's a, um, that's everybody a great knows answer. That multiple generations know the Beatles. So, so I, that's kind of, you go Morgan Wallen. So you're showing your countryside, right? And then yep. you go with an old classic and the Beatles. That's pretty, that's pretty, you know, yeah. that's, for a quick answer. That's pretty well thought out. Favorite breakfast cereal? Oh, right now I'm mixing uh, peanut butter checks with chocolate checks. What do you mean you're mixing? Is that even legal? Can you mix your own checks? Oh, yeah, you definitely can. You go peanut butter, peanut butter checks. Because <laughs> if you have one by themselves, like it just, it's not, it's a little bland. But if you mix those things together with some vitamin D milk, I'm telling you, the, 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 thing, the thing that I appreciate that here is. Anybody that comes to this show and throws out some healthy breakfast cereal, we, we just we, we can't even deal with that. That has to be some type of sugar cereal or it's not real. Who said shredded yeah, wheat? A, Somebody said shredded wheat and we're like, we're like what? That's, that? that's a facade. That's that's fraud. They lied, didn't they? they uh, just was it Dan Forsman? Did Dan Forsman say shredded wheat? I think Dan Forsman said shredded wheat. And then, he's, then he backed up and he goes, but you have to put like six teaspoons of sugar on it. I'm like, yeah, no, no. He'll never no. invite Dan to the show. <laughs> nope. That's a terrible answer. <laughs> All right, favorite defensive back, whether it's college or pro. Your Ooh, favorite like one. Current, current, current can, or past. It could be all time. Ooh, man. You know, I I loved I loved the Hawaiian punch, Aaron Francisco, man. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, that that guy's that guy's a legend for a lot of reasons for me, um, but. But if I was going to go like NFL, I might get some hate for this. But like, I love the way Eric Weddle played football. No, you're not going to get any hate. Everybody loves Eric Weddle. He's like that dude. Yeah, that guy, that guy could do it all. And he's a, you know, Eric, 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 trans, Eric, Weddle Eric transcends the you in my mind. And, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think. Does his wife have some ties to be? I don't know, but but yeah, there's some. I sort think of there's tie some there. kind of a tie. But, yeah, I don't really know, but I, I loved watching Eric Weddle play football. Even I mean, when he was at the U, like holy cow, like he yeah. just he was special. You, you'll um, ne you'll never hear Dave or I bad talk Eric Weddle. We got tons of yeah. respect for him. There's a few Utes that we we'll bad out talk for. a lot of people, but we don't. Not we Eric don't Weddle. Talk Not Eric Weddle. So okay, and then your favorite BYU moment, and it doesn't. We found out from margin hooks last week that it doesn't even have to be a football moment. If you don't want it to be, he laid one on us that we all just, it just took us back. It wasn't a football moment. So your favorite BYU moment, it can yeah. be a football moment, but it doesn't yeah. have to be. So, so my, my, uh, when I think about BYU is what I think about my, uh, my sophomore year while well, I transferred from snow college mm -hmm. and I got to, I got to BYU. Kellen could probably tell you this. Um, I did not, I did not love my experience. Um, I had a, I had a, you know, my, I didn't really see eye to eye with my position coach and I wasn't really not a confrontational guy. I'm a team guy. And I actually quit after spring ball. I told Bronco that I was done playing and Bronco, um, Bronco, we had some conversations. I went back the following day, you know, there's some spiritual aspects to that, that I don't, I won't get into, but, um, he, he called me every week the whole summer, not to even, you know, I was dealing with some, some emotional and mental challenges as well. And he was, he was just really good to me and just wanted to know how, how, how I was doing. He showed up to my house the week before fall camp and said, Hey man, whether you play football or not, I think you're supposed to be at BYU. 
And he, he basically said, we don't really need you like in a roundabout nice way. He was like, yeah, I don't think you're going to like make a huge impact for us, but this year, but I think you should be at BYU. Um, I hadn't worked out and I, you know, was kind of fighting this feeling. I ended up going back to BYU, obviously. And before I went, I, you know, I was really stressed about not working out. And he says, Hey, you'll win the Y run. And at that time we used to start at the bottom of the Y and do that stupid thing. Yeah, I won't. I won't even walk and it. By the way, but that's I, I, yeah. And I and I and I won it. And I, and I uh, it was a it was a weird experience. Like I'm like, man, that, this guy like a prophet. That's weird. Um, and the only reason I tell that story, like I met my wife in the Harold E. Lee Library. And so full full circle. Um, I'm just grateful for the university. I'm grateful for the people that I had there. Um, that's why that place is. You know, there's a lot of games that we celebrate and won, but. Um, that experience, you know, changed, changed my, changed my life. Um, and so that's, that's definitely my highlight. That's great. That's awesome. That's great. You're a, you're, you're a BYU guy with a BYU story. Yep. And, uh, I got a, I got a BYU story. Yep. Won a lot of games, laid out a lot of guys. Yes, he from did. The safety spot. Ke- and Kellen, Kellen, uh, so Kellen, my oldest, and when, when when Andrew refers to Kellen, of course he's talking about my oldest that started at Free Safety there for a couple of years, just a few years ahead of Andrew, and he loves Andrew. And when he first first came, and when he came back from all that he talked about, Kellen's like, "Wait till you see this dude, Dad. He's going to knock some people out. I'm telling you, he's going to knock some people out." And and Kellen, who played that position and knows what it takes, and learned from Aaron Francisco, and then and then yeah. then passed it on to Andrew. He loved the way Andrew approached the game and how physical he was. He told me, you got to watch this guy because this is what he's going to do. And he was exactly right. We loved watching yeah. Andrew. Well, thank you. I, and I appreciate, you know, Kellen was, was a great mentor and was awesome. Was an awesome teammate. Um, so, yeah, those bonds you create in the locker room never never leave. You know, and I, I see Kellen once a year, probably some random thing. And, you know, you can just you can look a teammate in the eye and, you know, there like that bond doesn't break even though it's been years and we're in different places um so always brothers oh hey, your first class thanks for joining us tonight hey, we'll... i appreciate you guys thank you this is a really cool show you guys do thanks for having me appreciate you love awesome. having you andrew get gay give my yeah. love to your family especially a big hug for to sure. your dad all right definitely all right there we'll see andrew you. rich see outstanding safety at byu and uh man he could hit oh he baby. could hit it yeah, counts like wait till you see this dude and then, then when we'd watch and Kellen was done, he'd be, he would tell me, I, I told you, that guy just brings it. And he would <laughs> he would knock some dude. I kept worrying that Andrew's going to knock himself out the way he was hitting people. DJ, can you put up that after further review graphic? And we want to tease next week on that show. We're going to look back at Utah State. The last blast, the battle for the old wagon wheel, might be the last one ever in our lifetime. We will see. We'll also preview Notre Dame. That's next Tuesday, 7 Eastern on the free BYU TV app just before an all-new wise guys here at wiseguys.com yeah. hey, ne- twitch and, and youtube i'm gonna be here next week but i'm not gonna be here but Blaine i'm be gonna new york, be here but he'll be but i'm gonna join the show from new york so we're gonna try an experiment and i'm gonna join the show from new york from my homeland let's uh, let's go over a couple of nuggets while we wait for riley to join us yeah um byu in the top 25 we mentioned they're number 19 as for their opponents oregon's up to 13 they host stanford this weekend Baylor is at 16. They host Oklahoma State. They're I number think, nine. I think Baylor has a chance because they're at home yeah, hosting I do too. Oklahoma State. Baylor wins that game. I, I feel like Baylor, even though BYU beat him, I think Baylor's going to move up even more. Yeah. Um, and then Baylor, Arkansas. Baylor looks like 
the real deal. And and you know what? Arkansas looks like the real deal too. And They're number twenty after a missed field goal at the end of the A and M game, but they host number two Alabama on Saturday. We'll see what they got. And by the way, BYU should be rooting for those three schools. Anybody yeah. that's a BYU fan should be wanting every one of these three. I have schools. a hard time doing that for Oregon, but I will. You, you know what? You want them all in the top ten. I want every one of those in the top ten, and then you want to beat Arkansas. And how about having two wins against two top ten teams? Yeah, that's not. Th- hurt. Then there's no argument. That's what you want. 91st meeting Thursday, BYU and Utah State in the old wagon wheel. The Cougars lead that series 50-37. to 37. They've tied three times. Yep. BYU's won the last two. Yeah, and remember that, that Jaron Hall didn't play in that game last year. Ba- that was no. Baylor Romney starting. Who started, and, and, and he, he got, got knocked out. And All Jake, our quarterbacks get hurt yep, playing and then the Aggies. J- and, and then Jake Conover came in that game um, in the second half. But remember, they didn't need a quarterback last year. <laughs> no. Because, because Tyler Algier had Just 22 one. attempts to for 218 yards and three touchdowns in that game last year. My goodness, was he a beast. Our next guest is not going to like the fact that we said they didn't need a quarterback. Uh, but they but they, Well, they, they needed really somebody to hand the ball <laughs> or pitch the ball to Tyler Algier. That's it's, all they really needed. It's BYU-Utah State week. Our next guest started a season at quarterback for Utah State. And then he played three seasons at quarterback for BYU. I think he's the only guy on the planet that's done that, so we have to have him on this show. Uh, with the Cougars, he threw for over 4,000 yards and 35 touchdowns, ran for 858 yards and six more touchdowns. He's an analyst for BYU football broadcasts on the BYU Sports Network. It is always our pleasure to welcome Riley Nelson to the wise guys who literally gave his all to the Cougars on the football field. You gave your ribs, you gave your back, you gave your oh, knee. Man. I think you gave your... Uh, ankle and you may have had a few concussions but you did it all <laughs> that's quite the intro as only you can do <laughs> yes. and, and, and this being the 10th anniversary of me graduating from utah state and the last time i picked up a football in a meaningful you know in an actual meaningful setting uh, i'll take any introduction i can get at this point <laughs> right we, we were just talking to andrew rich uh, who, who i know you know andrew and 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 followed his career and we, we started off by te- like like your two, I told him tonight is a cool thing for me because I know both of your dads really well, and and you both come from phenomenal stock. You know, um, Andrew's dad, I love and, and respect, and your dad, of course, I love and respect. Your your dad was a good player and was an Aggie for Pete's sakes, um, and and but he raised you right because he sent you. You know, you started out as an Aggie, but you saw the light, and he. How could your dad possibly support you coming down to BYU? I. He used to talk about it. I, I didn't know how he could possibly do it, but he supported you wholeheartedly coming down to the down to the Y, didn't he? I mean, let's be honest. As much as as we care about schools and representation, in the Nelson household, we appreciate good football. And what my dad saw me play in 2006 for the Utah State Aggies, just being 100% honest, and anybody can go look it up on collegefootballreference.com, that was not good football. So... And, Whatever you know, sadness or or whatever negative feel emotions he felt uh, by me leaving the Aggies, I think it was at least equally, if not outweighed, by the excitement of me get, getting to come down and play for the Y, a perennially ranked program. And uh, while it kept me from you know playing behind those behemoths, I remember first time he came down to practice at BYU, he just couldn't stop talking about the size of the linemen, right? And uh, and all that. So we love good ball above 
anything else, we love good ball in the Nelson household. And then allegiances to universities or logos come second. That's now look, two. <laughs> you're a freshman at Utah State there in 2006. You have seven starts. You're elected the team captain. Uh, big shot coming out of Logan High School, 84 touchdowns, like a bazillion yards. 4,000, actually, according to the books, but we'll go with, we'll go with a bazillion. But Mr. Football from the Deseret 4, 4, News. 4,000 plus. 4,000 sure. plus. So, uh, but you're coming down here. You play in Provo. You don't play in that game. BYU wins 38 to nothing. Uh, what do you remember from that night? With Jason Beck as the starting quarterback. I mean, all, all you need to know about the state of the Utah State's program was, like, John, like, tweaked his ankle the week before against Boston College, and they're like, hey, John, why don't you rest it? Just like, no, 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 I can play. It's like, trust me, we'll do okay without you. And sure enough, <laughs> 38 to nothing. I mean, we, um, to me, though, that's a good uh, frame of reference for how, how, how much the rivalry has improved. I mean, since basically Lavelle took over until the mid-2000s, even the late 2000s, it, it, I mean, yeah, there was geography tying you, and yeah, the Aggies used to beat up on the Cougars in the 30s, 40s, and 50s. Um, but, I mean, it was not – speaking of the Nelson family love for good football, it was not good football between Utah State and BYU. And as you look from 2010 when they got their first win in I don't know how many years, I'm pretty sure it was close to 30, or, or no, a little over 20. But in 2010, and then as you look through, I think, I think from 2010 to 2019, those 10 matchups, I think it was 6-4. and four. Yeah. Right. Uh, just in favor of BYU. And the games got far more competitive. Utah State started winning them. They, they you know, won a couple in Provo. And uh, and it really has brought some excitement to this rivalry just in time for it to kind of be <laughs> oh, coming, to an I mean, yeah, hey, co- I, coming to an end. I, I want to take you back. So. So after that freshman, you go out on your on your church mission and you serve in Barcelona, which, by the way, one of Brendan, my favorite cities. I love Barcelona. I'd go there in a heartbeat any summer you want me to go. While on your mission, at what point do you start thinking about, you know what, I think I probably need to go down south and be – was it while you were on your mission? How, how did that even happen? Yeah. So, I mean, keep in mind, uh, and, and Lark and I ended up spending a lot of time together at BYU, but I, I was offered for BYU – out of high school. I was young for my grade though. I actually graduated at 17 and this was back in the days I had a summer birthday. So I graduated and and, about a month later turned 18. And this was during the 19 age years for a mission. And I had to sit around. Well, they'd already offered a quarterback in our class. He'd already accepted. James Lark was coming to Provo and the class was full. And so they offered me, but it was for after my mission and the whole gray shirt thing. I just never felt comfortable with that. I also felt like you know, I, I wanted to, I mean, Grace, you're not on the team, right? So uh, had a great recruitment from BYU. It's just the nature of the way the scholarship shook out and the timing of things. Uh, I didn't feel comfortable committing there out of high school, but it, it left on good terms. I mean, I remember talking with Coach Nye Doman, and I was OC. Doman was quarterback coach and Coach Menahal in my recruitment. And just being like, hey, I really – do not want to sit around and not be a full-time student and not be on the team for an entire year mm-hmm. and then go and come back. So that was one of the main reasons why BYU got eliminated in my recruitment out of high school, not for any other, not for any other reason than that. Um, anyway, so how, how did it, the, that's a, a little bit of backstory. How did it come up during the mission? Well, Utah state's program continued to flounder. 
Um, and at the time where, and Aggie fans will remember this, and maybe the real diehard sports fans will, Randy Spetman was the AD at the time. He decides to move on from Coach Guy, lets him go. And within the, a month before initiating the coaching search, he goes and takes a job. He got offered the AD job at Florida State and takes it. Yep, so I remember talk, that. Yeah. Utah State is left without a coach and an AD, and they had a long, dark winter and offseason. And this is coming off the season of you were seeing no improvement. We won one game in 06. They won uh, three in 08, and they won two in 09. Now, they ended up finding Gary Anderson, who was – who resurrected the program and really laid the foundation for what it's become today. But that all happened after the fact. I wasn't thinking about it because I was only getting bits and pieces and I wasn't really checking in. But what happened was I got an email. I opened up an email one day. And of course, you know, BYU respects the the recruiting rules, but they also know how to play the game. Right. (laughs) Uh, Email from my dad saying, Hey, coach Doman has been calling me, you know, every once in a while over the last couple of months, but this last week, I got a, I got two calls from him. I got a call from Anai, and I got actually got a call from Coach Doman just checking in to see how I'm doing. <laughs> and, got, and it was at that point they couldn't ask, they couldn't initiate a recruitment. But my dad said, I think they want to talk to you, but they know they can't. If you're interested, shoot them an email. And so I shot them an email and, of course, responded back. And they said, you know, uh, whatever's changed, uh, you know, our, and at that time their circumstances has changed with the timing of how James went on his mission and then Max – coming back a lot of things have changed from 06 and uh i again having those favorable memories of my recruitment from high school where it didn't work out coming out of high school in 06 it seemed to work out for me coming back in my mission from 09 and the rest is history it's quite a uh, journey do you remember you and i did a sit-down interview in i think 2011 might have been 12 uh it, it was it was uh yeah right after 2011 uh, leading into 12 after, right? I'd, I'd come back in against Utah State yeah 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 big man on campus and, and 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 I think and what was impressive to me um and we'll talk about we're going to obviously march through the probably one of the most interesting and exciting drives in the history of the BYU Utah State series here in a moment but uh one thing that we noticed is that guys followed you they played harder for you they they the line worked a little harder to protect you. The, the fans bought into you. What, what was it? What was the Riley Nelson magic? You didn't go 13-0. and 0. You didn't win a national championship or a Heisman Trophy like some of the others that had come through. But we watched this team line up behind you, and it was very impressive. What do you think it was? Yeah, I think, uh, I think a couple of things. One was I, I talk about you know, we've got the Nelson lineage and you mentioned my dad was an Aggie. My grandpa was an Aggie as well. And my great grandpa's name is on the, is on the field house, not for football, but for wrestling. And he was a longtime athletic trainer. Right. But we love, I mean, people say they love sports. Right. And people say they're like, we're not even really fans. Like we love the game to a degree that is very hard to uh, comprehend for the average individual and in a locker room setting in a college locker room setting, I think that comes through. You'd be surprised that you'd think all 120 or however many guys are on a roster. You think they all love football, but they don't. You, I mean, Blaine, you can speak to this. Oh, Dave, yeah. you've it enough. There, there are guys who truly love the game and guys who are there um, maybe because they like it, but for other reasons or they're getting their, it's their only way to get their school paid for or, or whatever. Um, I was a kid if I had to pay my own way, if I had to work the night shift, like I was coming out of high school, I was going to play football hell or high water. 
And so I loved the game. And that was first and foremost, uh, you know, because it, it attracted me to other guys in that locker room, which there were a lot who absolutely loved the game. And then second was my teammates weren't dumb. I mean, in that 2010 season, we went back and forth and the locker room was split. The coaching staff was split. The fan base was split. Everyone was split on whether or not we go Riley or Jake. My injury against Florida State, my shoulder injury against Florida State kind of made the decision for everybody. And it, uh, that's when Jake became the future. Uh, but uh, and again, this speaks to my love for the game and what my teammates observed. And I think this gets to the core of what you're referring to, Dave, was I didn't throw a pity party for myself. And it, and that didn't even cross my mind. Like, bottom line was I loved the game so much. I was not going to be content to sit and wait my turn if Jake got hurt or something. I wanted to be on the field on Saturdays. Like, I had put in too much work from the time I was five years old to sit idly by. And I knew I had the athleticism. I knew I had the work ethic. And I was willing to learn any skill I could. And I, I really think – you say, what was it? That offseason – going to the coaches, convincing them to let me try out for special teams, making the punt unit, making the kickoff unit, making the punt return unit, uh, and and contributing even, even in a very small, um, you know, unimpactful way on special teams up to the point of being thrown in against Utah State. That was what you were seeing. My teammates had observed all that with me, and then when I got kind of thrust into the that, that main position of quarterback – they all, you know, it, it was put on full display. It, it's interesting, Riley. I, people, when they think about leadership, two names that always come up are you and Brandon Doman. And, and they always say, what is, what, what's the formula for leadership? I go, well, followership is what the definition of leadership. If people will follow you, then you're a leader, right? And the common denominator between you and Brandon is Brandon was out playing wide receiver before he played. He was like, get me on the field, let me play which earned respect of teammates that just said, this dude just plays, and he'll do whatever it takes to help the team. That's the same thing that you did. That's the common thread between the two of you that, that I believe made a huge difference. Um, and, and what has that done for you to recognize that, hey, I'll just do whatever it takes to win. I'll do whatever it takes to contribute. How's that helped you since football? Yeah, it's been – it's been great. And I, I just want, and by the way, th thank you, Blaine. I, I appreciate you saying that and coming from you, who was a, a you know, a very revered and, and uh, talented leader in his own right. That means a lot. I will say it does in the game of football, it does, it does have its double-edged sword, right. In that uh, on third and eight, when, you know, you're, you're between the forties and you should just be content to throw the ball away or check it down, knowing that he's not going to get the first down. It's fine. Doing whatever it takes in that scenario leads to broken ribs. You know, back, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. exactly. But yeah. no, I mean, po post football, it, it helps. Um, you just, just entitlement is one of, and unfortunately it's becoming more and more common in our society, but credit my parents and, and just really my entire extended family. It, it was something that simply was not part of the fabric of, of our family or the fabric of my upbringing. And so no matter how menial, small, dirty, or unpleasant the task, if it needed to be done, no one was, the Calvary was not coming. No one was coming to do it for you. It needed to be done. So you go and do it. And, and that helps. And, you know, from relationships, right. Uh, doing whatever it takes to, nurture that and then also for your kids uh, and then professionally I, I mean it becomes easy right I not to get on a diatribe here about the current uh, American work culture right but every where everyone's looking to 
to try and get away with doing the least amount possible. Uh, if you can be one of the ones that's saying, well, heck, I'll dive in. I'll work an honest 40 hours a week. And if and if it spills over into 50 and 60, it, it's no skin off my back. In fact, you you enjoy it. And uh, it's paid dividends in, in, the, in those things. And then also, you just like going back to where I didn't feel sorry, you know, the Jake thing. I didn't feel sorry or I didn't get sour. I didn't get better. I simply was just forward looking or trying to pro productively or proactively find a, another role on the team. If quarterback wasn't going to be it, that same thing in life, rather than I don't spend much time worrying about setbacks or, or negative events that may happen because I'm too busy finding what's the next proactive, productive, progressive uh, action that I can take because it's far more, it, it's far more relieving fun and like, just makes me happy to do that than it is to sit back and analyze why or how or what's what went wrong it's it's uh, riley that's so well well said P people always ask me you know I, I said there's three types of people right and you'll appreciate this and i know your dad would say the exact same thing right there's those that walk by the garbage and it's overflowing and they throw a can on top of the garbage, and it falls on the floor, but they don't even notice. They, they didn't notice that the garbage is overflowing. Are you talking about my nephews? I'm talking about a couple of days nephews, at Sunday right? dinner. Then, then there's people that are walking by, and they don't really notice, but somebody says, hey, did you notice that garbage is, is uh, um, overflowing? And they go, oh, yeah, hey, you know what? Do you want me to take that out? Yeah, could you take that out? And they're, and they're happy to take it out, but they didn't proactively know. Then... There's the guys that walk by. The garbage is not even quite full, and they go, that garbage is going to be full. And so you know what? I don't know whose responsibility is to take it out, but I can see that it needs to be done. So I will get that done, and I will take it out. That's Riley Nelson right there. And yeah. you get you a team of people that notice before the garbage is overflowing, and you're going to win a lot of games. You're going to win in your company. You're going to do whatever. And that that's who Riley Nelson is. Are you saying he's a was. garbage man? He, Riley Nelson is a guy that notices what needs to be done. <laughs> Hey, before no, before no it needs to be done. Ball, no role is unimportant. I garbage man. I'll, yep. I'll do it. Anybody, anybody who's cleaned the church on a Saturday morning and found that dirty diaper that's been sitting there from the previous Sunday yes. knows how important. We've all done garbage. that. But but you know what? The people that notice that they also notice what jobs need to be done yeah, before they sure. need to be done. That's that's our guy Riley. A hundred percent, Riley. I feel that way about you. I'll take a whole team of you for sure. Former BYU quarterback Riley Nelson on the Wise Guys. It's uh, old wagon wheel week. You ready to march through one of the most exciting finishes in the history of this uh, of this series? You ready for yeah, that? Yeah, let's do it. All right, let's go with the medical red shirt. You finished that in 2010. Here comes 2011. First year as an independent for BYU. The Aggies and Chucky e. Keaton come to town. Jake Heaps has the starting job, but falls behind 24 to 13 in this game. Bronco makes a change. Did you sense that this was your moment? Before anything of what was about to happen happened, you're going into the game. Are you feeling like this is the moment I've been waiting for? This is why I came here? Yeah, not not going into the game. Um in fact, I'll share a little exchange. I was really close with Gary and Gary said uh Gary before he's like, "Hey, they're going to let you play cuz in, in the year prior in 2009 they put a little tebow package for me together right i was backing up max and i went in got a couple carries of course i was in a sling on the sideline in 2010 when we lost up in romney stadium but gary's like we're gonna see you out there he goes i hope not you know he's playing gary's the constant gary's just so good <laughs> yes such a good player's right anyway i go 
I go, no, nah, nothing going into the game. I go, I tell you what, tell your D-line, though, they better not hurt Jake because if they hurt Jake, I'm coming for you, right? Well, <laughs> oh, <you> know, <laughs> wow. And, and we had a good little laugh about that. Obviously, they didn't hurt him, but uh, Franco went ahead and made the change. You said moment. I, I would not say – I did not feel like this was my moment in that a change was being made. I More I felt like the coaching staff – because. Going into that game, we all remembered it was that 2010 game being the first BYU team in who knows how many years, how many decades to lose uh, and losing Logan, right? And then to be facing down the barrel of losing back-to-back. My my sense was more, this is probably the only shot I'm going to get. So I better deliver. Otherwise, I truly will be relegated to holding a clipboard for the rest of my career and, you know, scrounging for snaps on special teams. All right, so you you oh. enter the game. Yeah, you, you, you're in there now. You hit Cody Hoffman on a 24-yard touchdown pass with 10-15 left to play to make it 24-20. What, what are you thinking now? Yeah, I mean, D, at that point, so they scored first play of the game, right? Robert Turbin, Robert Turbin took it 80 first play of the game. But by that point, they they – I don't think they hadn't scored in the second half and our defense was doing really well. So, I mean, I'm like plenty of time left. They were struggling. We were running a lot of draw. You could tell they had not prepared at all for quarterback runs. So we were running a lot of lead draw. And then the second thing was they were singling up Cody on the backside. Now Jake had a lot of chemistry with Ross and I did too, but I'll just flat out be honest with you. I didn't have as strong as arm. To, so Cody played, the X, which is typically into the boundary or the short side of the field, Ross played the Z. Jake had been feeding Ross a lot of balls. I didn't have a long, strong, as strong as arm. I didn't feel as confident throwing to the field side, to the wide side of the field, uh, especially with a safety rolled over. So Utah State coming into this game had not prepped for QB run, and they were and they were rolling their safety to the field because Ross had had so much success early on in that season, leaving Cody singled up on the backside. So essentially. My plan was continue to do what I can do with my legs and take advantage of Cody having single coverage against a corner who I think he had, you know, five or six inches on. And I had spent a lot of time with Cody. That was the year. So the New Mexico Bowl prior, well, I'll, I'll stop. I'll save you guys the, chron- the chronology. <laughs> of Cody. I love <laughs> it. I, was I love the detail. So it's 24-20 still, Utah State, until the final – and be good and and use my legs and i knew we were going to at least get the ball back one more time which we did and i hopefully you set this up because everybody fast forwards to us getting the ball you know with, with under two minutes left and 96 yards to go but the drive before that i don't know dave are you were you gonna no, do this no no go ahead you, you can go do ahead. it because you're rolling go my boy jj de luigi we march down Fumble. the field we get inside the red zone yes JJ, so good in that game he he was he had a lot of catches out of the backfield and he had played really well that season. Him and Brian Correa kind of switching in that role. We had him off in his zone. It was great. I actually checked to it because we only had a five-man box, so we ran an inside zone play, and the hole was there and everything. And I think he w- he had got about six or seven yards, and just the tip of the ball came down, and he coughs it up. Yeah. How much time? When did we cough it up left? I think at that point it was like five five minutes or yeah, so. Yeah, and, and, and I remember that we were all thinking, oh, no. Was that yep. was that the moment where where the air came out of this thing, right? Yep. That that was the problem. So it, they they have to punt, 
And uh, and they, they kick a 67-yard punt. A J.D. Falslev, which you'll read in the Desert News tomorrow, swears he should have caught a, called a fair catch, but he took his eye off the ball and it went past his helmet, went all the way to the four-yard line, and then you get tackled for a two-yard loss. So on you first got, down. On first, first down. down. So you got 98 yards to go to win the game. Um, are you feeling optimistic? Um, so I, yeah, great question. I had been drilled and Blaine, I don't know if this came, I, I I'm pretty sure what Brandon taught me is what been taught. I I'm pretty sure it originated with Lavelle. So you probably were thought you were probably taught the same two minute protocols, but our, our, our protocol as quarterbacks that we were taught by Brandon Doman was you got to get that first completion. And then after the first completion, get the first, first down and then the two-minute drive starts. That's exactly but, right. Yep, always. Yep. If you try and eat those 96 yards in a single play, we're going to go three and out and lose the game. That doesn't give anyone's help. So after that first down, uh, after the first down loss, I was like, I need a completion. They're backing off. I find Marcus Matthews on a little stick route. And then, all right, that was first completion. And I think I – and then I think uh, no, you hit, the, the, Your next out. one, you hit McKay. Well, you ran first, yeah, then you well, hit McKay. That's right. So, so you, do a, you, go, say, you do Matthews, a QB run, and then McKay, yeah. and then another QB run. So that was, the, yeah. that was the sequence. Then you spike it with 101 left at your own 34. Yeah, so, so to go back to protocols, right, trying to follow protocols, well, I hit Marcus, and I think that got us to, like, maybe third and seven or so. Mm-hmm. And they dropped everybody back. We called – we called four verts and then I signaled comebacks on the out. But the second that I saw them rush three and then the two middle linebackers that they had on the snap, no one was respecting my QB run. They took depth back to 12 yards. I'm like, all right, I right. Get your first completion, get your first, first down. Right. I knew I could get that first, first down. The problem was those first three downs. I think at that point it was under a minute. And then, yeah. So we call, uh, we call a dash play. Uh, Roderick runs it a lot today and, that dash I mean, guys is you run you set up like it's a regular drop back and then you either rotate out to the left and roll to the left or roll to the right. So you set pass straight back and then you then they seal the edge and you roll outside. So that's what Riley yeah. did there. You're you're supposed to it's a technique that they use on the edge where your tackles kind of invite the rusher inside and then it gives them a good angle as you pre-planned escape the pocket. They pin the dude inside and you buy a lot more time. Zach was really good at it. Jaron is lethal at it. Oh, he's brutal, yeah. I I love it. Anyway, so McKay runs that on the sideline. Of course, they have safety help over top. But clocks. I I knew at this point we had a chunk. So rather than taking off and and just going and getting yards, I tried to, you know, I tried to do scramble drill and was running around. McKay (laughs) had run a comeback and go on the sideline as I rolled to my right. And then as I came back to my left, his DB, the safety – had started to come off to to cover the underneath defender. So now he was one-on-one with the corner and he just sprinted towards the middle of the field. I saw him. I just hucked it up to the middle of the field, hoping McKay would do it. Did that. You mentioned QB run down again. Then we spike it. Okay. Now we're there. Call comes in from the sideline, four verts again, right? Normally four verts on that call, what Doman was thinking and, this again, like do whatever it takes. This is a very analytical guy. You hope you can probably fans probably are used to listening to me now, maybe a little bit too much. Imagine, <laughs> be, imagine being in my own brain in situations. <laughs> There's like a lot this, going right? on yeah. in there. It's fascinating. Wait, a ton Four verts, you know, typically what he's trying to do is it, it, out of a two by two formation. 
is you want to occupy the safety with those two to give you a good shot at a fade. So the call comes from the sideline on a fade. Well, they don't play safety and they don't give help over the slot guys. JJ had a linebacker on him and I'm like, and JJ was really great. You know, he used to run that running back, the 94 H option, right? Right. He's been, been in the offense since like 76. <laughs> and, Doug Scoville put and, it in. Yeah. And from the slot down in the goal line, rather than running a seam route, because there's not that much space, it essentially turns into that option route, right? So I kind of give JJ the look. He's looking at me, and essentially we, we run this option. He runs the option route, burns the guy inside, knows he's beat. So anyway, sorry, with no safety help, I decided to – I didn't like the fade, and also they had called it from gun. And I got to admit, I, I did not love throwing fades from gun because – Timing-wise, right? I, yeah, I needed the I need I needed to throw that thing confidently. I needed the laces. So I was looking for I was kind of looking for an out to be honest. And when they came out and did not have safeties in the back and I saw JJ one on one, I was like, ooh, I'm gonna take JJ on basically the seam route that converts to the option, beats the dude inside. He knew who was beat, he grabbed him, right? And that's where the the clip that everybody's, you know, goes back and watches and it still lives to this day on YouTube. He's got his one arm being held down. His other arm reaches up to grab for the football as the flag comes out from the back judge. And he gets one hand on it, tips up in the air. Marcus, who had done the same thing on the other side of the formation, ran basically uh, had converted a seam to a skinny slant. His route and momentum just took him to the middle of the field where the ball was floating. He caught, he caught it. And, uh, and more than excitement, more than vindication, more than like, this is awesome. I kid you not. My first emotion was relief that we did not have to be the team for the first time in seemingly forever that lost back-to-back games to Utah State. Can you believe that it's, happened? It's, All that stuff you just said. Can you believe it's it happened? Unbelievable that it happened. It's so funny the thoughts that go through your head, though, right? Right? Like, like, man, we like nobody would think that you're that you're saying to yourself and to your teammates, we cannot be the team that loses. I, I remember in the dorms, Robbie Bosco and I talking one night. And he goes, I'll tell you the one thing I do not want to ever be. And I go, what? And he goes, I don't want to be the first guy that loses to Utah after we've beat him, like, eight, however many straight times. And he goes, and you know what else? I do not want to be the starting quarterback here when we don't win at championships because we've won, like, eight in a row, right? And we're going down the field, and we're worried about that. We don't want our legacy to be tarnished. You didn't want your legacy to be tarnished that you would lose back-to-back games to Utah State. And somehow you figure this thing out. So when he catches that ball, and he comes down with it. What's that feeling like? What are you thinking then? Yeah, after after relief set in, then uh, it was just like, oh, thank goodness. Like, we got it done. Uh, dapped up the O-lineman. I think I jumped into Matt Reynolds' arms, headbutting, all that stuff. Marcus, Marcus made this big, long loop. And he was not one for celebration. So I was like, what's he doing? Like, you know, playing <laughs> to the crowd. Turns out he circumnavigated the entire offense because when he had caught the ball on the first completion of the drive, he had hurt his ribs. Like his ribs were significantly bruised up. He thought they were broken. He didn't want anybody to tackle him or hit him because he was hurting in his ribs. (laughs) Anyway, I I go over there and find, uh, go over there and find Marcus and uh, him first because he had made the play. And then, you know, the defense, all my dudes that I was on punt team with, kickoff team, like everybody just comes. And it was just, it was just a mob from there. Obviously, they come out, you know, defense holds on their last-minute desperation. And, uh, and you know, we actually had this debate in one of our pregame shows. Uh, I, I think it was the pregame show of the Oregon because some fans were questioning the merits 
of rushing the field, right? You know, it was probably justifiable against Baylor, but we've had some maybe ones where it was questionable. But it is an it is an honest, real reaction. And whether or not, you know, it's a top 10 team like it was Baylor that gets knocked off in LaBelle Edwards Stadium, or it's just the, you know, the relief and exhilaration of escaping, you know, a complete and utter disappointment at the hands of your rivals for a second year in a row having those fans come down on the field and, and then, you know, the, then it comes out the YouTube video with the Shrek clip and all that stuff. And <laughs> it's, it's been codified in, in BYU legend, which I, I got to say, we talked about how I ended up in BYU. Like I was just hoping for an opportunity to play at a great program. The fact that I was able to be part of so many memorable moments, both on the field and off, right. That Oklahoma game, I, I got to be, uh, I was on the team that did that. The Utah went in overtime red alert versus Tulsa. And we had our equal share of disappointments. Lord knows that that 2012 year was, you know, right. littered. With them, right. But, but to have all those, those things that now 10 years later, every, and this isn't just on game day and, and my coworkers who come down with me as we attend meetings and visit clients in Utah County, all laugh, you know, wherever we go out to lunch, where, wherever we are, Cougar nation still comes up and say, Hey man, I still remember that day, that play. I never in my wildest dreams thought that that was ever going to materialize. So the fact that it has, I just, I'm tickled pink. Well, you won the game, you won the starting job, and for years, yes. mothers could not get their teenage sons to cut their hair so they yeah. would flop out yeah. of their helmets. There's some good and some bad stuff. So you were, yeah. uh, you were a trendsetter, <laughs> and, um, and we, we love that you're still involved with BYU football. Uh, even to this day, and and now now you're going to call what could be the last Utah State BYU football game, you know, in our lifetimes. We say, well, that's not that's not possible, but it is quite possible. If something's not on the schedule, yeah. it's it, possible I, I don't anymore. Know, I don't know that that's going to fit in to the future, and that's yeah. a little bit disappointing. But speaking of disappointment, I mean, Utah State's they're coming into this thing with a disappointing first month. I, people were picking them to to win the league. Um, and, and they're having a struggle right now. But it is a rivalry game. So, so give us your keys for this Thursday night, for both teams, really. Yeah, I, I mean, for, for the Aggies, the Aggies have to yeah, – Derek Wright and, you know, I imagine the majority of your audience, probably, you know, a mix of college football fans, but the majority of them are probably Brigham Young. So they probably don't pay that close attention to Utah State. I still do. But like Derek Wright, who's on the Panthers, he's on practice squad, but he's been elevated for a week. He was there. He was a, a wide, a good wide receiver for them. And Devin Tompkins. Oh, Tompkins like, was phenomenal. They covered a multitude of sins in that offense, right? And and so the offense is pretty simplistic. They try and beat you with tempo and and spacing and some things like that. But ultimately, you need dudes who can create separation at the top of routes. They are yet to find that guy in this 2022 season. So somehow. They got to find it or I, you know, I don't know. I'm actually up here in Logan tonight. I had work up here and then I, I, we brought my kids up here. So I'm up here with my, you're broadcasting under an an, an enemy territory. You're broadcasting tonight. It's the first time I think that's ever happened behind the lines. Nice. When does this air? If I say that I'm doing, you know, reconnaissance work, is that no? It's first of all, it's on live We're right live, now, by the so way, all over the we've world. We've already, we've already, and, and then tomorrow it'll be it'll be put up as a podcast, <laughs> yeah. and and it's always on the YouTube channel available. So so basically, people are with us live, and then from this point forward, they can go access it anytime they want. Let so, us know yeah. if we need to send a rescue crew up there to get you out yeah, of there. If we need to get you out, let us know. 
cat's out of the bag, but like, um, <laughs> and I, I was just about to say, I don't have any Intel cause nobody's hinted at, at it up here. And I, I don't have any sources left anymore. They're going to tell me anything of substance, but <laughs> Bonner, you know, Bonner blew out his knee late last year. So he's coming back off an ACL only nine months into his recovery. doesn't look like the same player, the receiver, they don't have the same caliber of receivers, or at least they haven't found them. I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, we just talked about a quarterback switch that changed the f- fortunes for BYU. I wouldn't be surprised if, Utah State tries to do something like that. Cooper Lega, yeah. many uh, many BYU fans will be familiar with him because he prepped at Orem High. Right, he's up here. He played in their bowl game. He's come in when called upon and made plays. He's a guy that can run around. Maybe can change the complexion of this offense. But I mean, they, they got established to run, but they haven't had a tough time of doing that. They just don't have open dudes and Bonner does not their quarterback does not seem to be playing with much confidence. So they somehow have to find that between now and Thursday. For BYU, I mean, honestly, you look at – so I said it's been four. So in 2010, and I'm not saying I would have made the difference or or that even after my performance at Florida State, they would have sat me regardless of my injury, right? But I I had an injury, sat that game out, true freshman QB loses, right? You look at 14, that was the year Taysom broke his leg against him, right? And Christian Stewart comes in and throws three picks in the second half. 2017 already you were down um because uh um who started that game Critchlow, Coy Detmer and Bo Hodge all played but who started yeah um oh my gosh I'd like to think I'd like to think it was Hodge because he was ahead of those other two in the rotation okay so Hodge started it but then Critchlow came in got hurt and he ended the game with Coy Detmer obviously up here 2018, you know, still, still, that team was still trying to find its footing. Young Zach Wilson, and by the way, first round draft pick, a quarterback, and 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 draft picks throughout. That was just a juggernaut of a Utah State team in 2018. But what the one of the common threads? Three out of the four losses, BYU was facing quarterback in, injuries, right? So I hate to boil it down to one player, but like keep keep Jaron's jersey clean, keep him upright in the pocket, let him do what he does, which is. First and foremost, look, he's got the skills. He threw a couple of lasers that, like, he might as well have been throwing a baseball from the outfield, <laughs> like, like, he, like he was doing a few years ago for the Cougars, but, but doing it with the football on Saturday nights. Like, all those things aside, his greatest asset is his decision-making and the fact that it doesn't change regardless of the circumstances of the game. The dude is unflappable. Uh, so if they can just keep him upright in the game, things will be good for – things will be pretty good for the Cougars. So my key is – Bonner's got to find some confidence. He's got to find, you know, his, his special juice. And, and then the Cougars just have to, you know, protect Jaron and it should take, you know, if, if Utah state can do that, they're still going to have an uphill climb just because I think there's quite a, there's a lot bigger talent disparity than there's been in recent matchups. And if the Cougars can do that, they should be able to take care of business pretty readily. Taysom Hill concurs. To keep the quarterback yep, upright in the upright. Utah and State the, and game. And this offensive line, especially in pass, yeah. has been really, really good. Their All protection's right. been Should we do five questions? Yeah, we got to do We're five cut questions you loose. with Riley. So these are ones you, just, you don't even think about them. Riley, you just answer them, right? So Here we go. Yep. So favorite sports movie? Bull Durham. Oh, baseball movie. We've wow. been doing this show. I think we've had like 20 shows. This is the first First Bull Durham. Bull Durham. But by the way, Andrew Rich. By Andrew the way, Rich I'm a Rudy. sucker for everything Kevin Costner. I uh, second. I, pro- I probably have to say Tin Cup. <laughs> so yeah. Tin Cup was on last night, Riley. I'm just flicking through, and, and I stop on Tin Cup because it's awesome. I, I, it's I'm it was down with Draft Day, but like yeah, Draft Day uh, was fun. Bre- Brenda says, "Aren't you t- aren't you tired, Riley?" She says, "Aren't you tired?" And I'm like, 
He's about to hit it like eight times in the water. I can't turn this thing off, right? Oh, Roy McIlroy, baby. Yeah, so, okay, so the good one. I like Bull Durham. Favorite band or singer? Uh, At the time, probably Kanye West. Kanye West, all right. There you go. I didn't see that it's coming. It's a Logan kind of a hip hop. Did not see that coming. Kind of, yeah. This, you know. I, I got some eclectic stuff going on that you <laughs> that, wouldn't see. Okay. But, but can I what my most my most repeated song is now? It, what is it? It's Renegade. I got my little four-year-old addicted. To Sticks? Yeah, the beginning of that Sticks song. Nice. You know how he's saying, oh, mama, and he's yeah. walking it in. And, and he and screams. He screams. And everything comes in. My four-year-old. <laughs> eats that up so that's my most played on my i I gave everybody my new my new kind of song guy um because my nephew ran into him at a in a like a i don't even know what it what it was like a little diner back home in new york um the guy called jelly roll and he sings a song called son of a sinner i want you to listen to that and then when we when i see you thursday i want you to tell me if you like it or not so it's my new one jelly roll son of a sinner okay favorite uh, breakfast cereal tricks or cinnamon toast crunch but like I've been on a tricks kick. I go back and forth. I haven't had tricks in forever. I might get some tricks. You know what? I I I, lo- I left tricks when they went to the fruit shaped and not the puffs, and then they came back to the puffs. Yeah, it's and something's happened. Tricks is good. But, tricks uh, is good, and so is cinnamon toast crunch. Those are two fine ones. Anybody that brings a healthy cereal, we give them a hard time. Yeah, I like the milk after tricks too. Yeah, it's oh, like it's, a, it's like so, a fruit drink. Okay, favorite yeah. favorite <laughs> touchdown pass you've ever thrown. Um, so, oh man, sorry. I know this is supposed to be rapid fire, but in my mind, well, I I'll just tell you from, from each stance, right? So in the state championship, we get man coverage. This is back in high school. We get man coverage and I have the hundred meter champion lined up at Y in the slot and they're playing mad. I threw a 99 yard touchdown in the state championship. That's a good one. That's pretty good. That's my first one. Utah state. I threw a post corner in that Fresno win to Kevin Robinson and he caught it and got across the, the pylon. And then um, probably the sluggo against Utah state to Cody Hoffman at BYU. Nice. So they- yeah. Hey, and by the way, they don't have a Kevin Robinson either at Utah state right now that they found. Right. Yeah. That's their yeah. problem. That's their problem. So, okay. Favorite moment in the BYU Utah state rivalry. What's your favorite? And it can even be when you were a kid, I'm guessing it's going to be something when you were playing, but your favorite moment in that rivalry. Yeah, I mean, man, when I when I was playing, we we had some rough. I mean, two thousand nine. Sorry, and I, this is rapid fire. I was gonna say honestly, what was good for those that remember Kevin Curtis. I Kevin love Curtis, Kevin Curtis, man. They, they lost, but that I think he had like one hundred and seventy yards and two TDs playing against BYU. They still lost by twenty, but uh, I, I I remember that game because like back in those days, the early two thousand, late nineties, early two thousands. Aggie fans had to survive off moral victories, and Kevin Curtis got his against everybody. My, my deal, you know, I was really bummed out that I was really bummed out my senior year. I didn't get to play with him because I was injured. Um, and, of course, you know, you mentioned Taysom Hill. That was his first. And then he had the ankle, and then he had the elbow Yeah, his senior year. Anyway, but, I mean, those are some of the other ones. I tried to get cute. Blaine and not tell you the obvious, but I mean, how can it not be? I know what it is. I know what it is, and it's all fair. Yeah, I have yeah. to say though, there, there's we were talking about earlier with Andrew. Like, there's there's a few Utes that I always watch and root for. Like, like Eric Weddle was one that you just how do you not root for Eric Weddle? Kevin Curtis was an Aggie that I just had to root for. Right when he was on, he was part of the greatest show on turf. Right, um, yep. and and then and then also Bobby Wagner because we're we're kind of tied a little bit because. Um, uh, 
Clint, my guy up in Logan that works for me is, is, uh, his, his daughter, um, and Bobby were together for years and years and years, but, um, yep. and a good dude. So Bobby Wagner and, uh, but I, Kevin Curtis may be my all time favorite Aggie when I Merlin Olson is, but I think Kevin may be my second all time favorite. Yeah. He was so electric and so explosive. And I got to tell you growing up, this, this fueled the, obviously this all went away once things started getting recruited, but one of the favorite stories, all the amazing things that he used to do on the field. And the first thing that Aggies love to tell you is, you know, BYU told him to go play intramurals. <laughs> That's unbelievable. <laughs> the, the legend here was he went and tried on at BYU and he not only was he not accepted on the team that they said, Hey, we have a really strong intramural program. Maybe you should go play for them. And instead he packed, he packed stuff <laughs> oh, up my goodness. 20 miles North. And had a Hall of Fame career for that. Unbelievable. Hey, we're not yeah. perfect down here. Nope. We're trying, nope. but we are not perfect nope. down here. So, Riley, thank you for your time Riley, tonight. Riley, so great to have. We love this format that we get to do on Tuesday nights because when else do we get to, to get in depth on all these things? This is that we love having you on and love being able to get in depth on all this stuff with you. Yeah, well, and so I'm sorry I didn't know it was live. I always listen to this in, in the form of a podcast, like when I'm driving down right. to the game or, or flying out. So now that I know this live, this is going to be appointment television for me and my family. Ah, so that, that's <laughs> awesome. Hey, all you guys do, and and not just all that you do for the program and who you are, but personally to me, uh, you've been such great. I consider you friends, and you've always been just just totally genuine and great to me and my family so i just want to take this opportunity to thank you guys for that thank you uh, you're we'll the best. see you Thanks, on thursday riley. hey our love love to your family likewise riley nelson later. one of the great quarterbacks at byu one of the toughest quarterbacks oh. at byu when i say great i'm throwing in stats and toughness yep. and playing yep. hurt and and, and rally really in the troops is, riley is a lesson in leadership that that uh, i talk about all the time even in in my business uh, because he, he got it. He understood how to get people to follow him. One of the great leaders BYU's ever had at that position. Let's use the final few moments tonight, get people up to date on things going on around campus. We've got our This Day in History, uh, a great Lavelle quote, and then we will send you into the week and see you Thursday on game day on BYU TV at 4 o'clock Mountain Time, uh, two-hour pregame show before BYU and Utah State on ESPN. Mm-hmm. And the postgame show is back on BYU TV Cougars are a 24-point favorite. Weather's partly cloudy, 20% chance of some rain. Temperatures high of 78 that day and low of 51, which means perfect, maybe some clouds. And and BYU's going to wear the royal helmets with the royal face masks and royal tops with white pants. It looks sharp. I I like that combo. Remember, this year, the the advice, is this shirt royal? It kind of is. No, it's not really royal. No, it's it's like ocean. but, But at home games this year, remember, it's royal all year. Not doing a whiteout or a blackout. Or, you just wear your royal. It looks phenomenal on TV. And the, uh, the I, I really think the uniform scheme is going to look awesome yep, in the look glistening good. lights. Yep. Uh, since we were last together, Dallin Hooker left the yep. team. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't know that we need to get that much into it. Wants more catches, thinks he's going to get somewhere else. Um, phenomenal player, uh, great great guy. And you know sometimes guys just have to do what they think is right for them. We and wish so, him the best. Carter yeah, Weed, we Ethan Erickson best. will have some more opportunities yeah, at Lane, the number time. Lane, Lane Lund may play some. Yeah. They've, they've got, they have some guys that have been working hard and waiting in the wings, and it'll be interesting to see you know, who capitalizes on that. Because I think all of those guys may get opportunities, and the one that shines is going to get playing time. So it'll be really, really fun. 
BYU inducted a new class of Hall of Famers Friday night over at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Dennis Pitta, who's been on this show, one of our yeah, friends. Yeah, we, we had him on the, He's the pregame show last week. It's awesome that Dennis is in. Football, Rachel Noreen from Golf, Lindsay Lizenby, women's soccer, Miles Batty, cross country, Yvonne Perez, women's vo- uh, men's volleyball, and Joanne Calderwood, a pioneer in women's athletics at BYU. All worthy candidates, recipients of induction into the Hall of Fame, and they had the ceremony Friday night. Dennis was on game day with us yep, really on fun. Saturday, and, and we congratulate everybody. Hey, uh, volleyball this Thursday at Portland and Saturday at Gonzaga, so a road swing. Um, next home game's not till October 6th against Santa Clara. That's going to be on BYU TV. Um, the Cougs are number 15 right now in the country. Uh, Heather Olmstead last Saturday became the fastest coach in Division One volleyball history. Men or women. Men or women. Women and, and collegiate volleyball history to reach 200 career wins. Just eighth season in, and she's at 200. Amazing. Women's soccer at St. Mary's on Saturday. Next home game is Wednesday, October 5th against San Francisco on BYU TV. Cougars trying to get back into that yep. top 25. Yep. I, I went think to- they will. They had some growing pains and replaced. They've got talent. You mark my words. Before the season's over, they'll be back ranked and competing. I popped over to the Marriott Center last night for the first men's yeah, basketball practice. There. Yeah. there were so many guys that I'd never seen before. This is a this is a whole new operation that Mark yeah. Pope's got going on. Blue white games on October twenty sixth, and then we're back in action with basketball. Yep, October, on November second. November second. That's right. Ottawa, um, Arizona, not Ottawa, Canada. Right. right? And that's an exhibition game. And then the, the season opener is November 7th. That's a Monday night against Idaho State on BYU TV. And how about Jimmer Fredette last week? What did he call his name? Slick, Slick Nick? Slick Nick or something like that. Yeah, he Dressed in a disguise. disguise and went to basketball tryouts. He wore a fat suit and a heavy sweatshirt, and he still shot <laughs> he lights never, out. Never missed a he shot. He shot lights out. At the end, they revealed, hey, I'm Jimmer. And anyway. How fun is that for the guys that tried out? So cool. Played with Jimmer. So So cool. Hey, women's basketball exhibition game um, will be October 27th against Westminster. We don't have the time for that one yet, but it'll be on BYU TV. Uh, Cross country, we congratulate head coach Ed Stone, who was on Wise Guys last week. His men's cross country team, number one in the country this week after winning the Cowboy Jammerie uh, last Saturday at Oklahoma State. The BYU women moved up to number five in the polls after their third place finish in Stillwater that program is ready for the Big 12 yeah, right now. I, I, there's multiple programs, but that one could go <laughs> win a Big 12 championship in year one. Fantastic. Absolutely. Number and win a national one. championship, they could could do that. No it's question cool to be number it. one, and they're number one, the men's yep. and, and the women's and not far and, behind. And we're calling it, of course, um, Wise Guy's Karma that he came on last week, and then all they do is follow that up with a number one ranking. So, All right, let's roll out a couple of picks. For the season, I'm 31 and six. You're 25 and 10. Things went awry with your Longhorns pick, and with uh, Utah State, UNLV went up and beat them. Yeah, I don't know. So what's, I got you on both those. I thought the Longhorns were back. I Texas is not was back. wrong, and we knew that I was going against the grain on that the other one. So very, very tough to games this week. Number two, Alabama. Number twenty, Arkansas. Alabama's got them. I'm, I'm rooting for Arkansas, but I just feel like Alabama's going to win. It'll be closer than people think, though. Number ten, North Carolina State is at number five, Clemson. This is my upset special at oh. Clemson. North Carolina State going to win. Were I'm you going to do that yeah, too? Yeah, I'm going to still do it. Okay. Uh, here's a tough one. Number nine, Oklahoma State at number that's, sixteen. That's Baylor. my second upset. I feel like at Baylor, Baylor's going to slug him in the face, and they're going to win that one. I think North Carolina State's going to beat Clemson, and Baylor's going to beat Oklahoma State, and it's going to really disrupt that top ten. Navy's at Air Force. Gosh, I'm going Air Force. 
Uh, Something's you, happened with Navy. Troy Calhoun or Ken Nimatololo, two two of my favorite. I, like I like, I can't I can't pick between. I'm gonna go Air Force with you because it's at Air Force. Another tough one. Number seven, Kentucky is at number fourteen. Ole Miss. Remember when we had a couple of weeks when they're all dog games? Those weeks are over. Yeah. Do, is this the year that Kentucky comes, or the week that Kentucky comes back down to earth on the road at Old Miss? That's uh, that's our uh, quarterback friend. I know Jackson Dart. I say Old Miss gets this one. I'm picking three upsets. I got to do something for fun. Yeah. Plus, you need some points. Except Wait, I'm not this last one. I want to know if you're going to pick an upset. In I'm this going one. Oregon State. You're going Oregon State at Utah. At Utah, a I dagger think, right I, into the heart. I think this game is going to be really close, and Utah's going to pull it out at the end at home. You know, but but, I, but the idea that Utah's going to run over Oregon State, I, I think Oregon State's better than they've been, but it's at Utah. It's at Utah. It's a, like a noon game. I, I, picked, I picked three upsets, and then you picked you picked two because you picked Oregon State, too. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm going with Oregon State. We'll see what right. happens. Cougars in the NFL on Sunday. The Vikings at the Saints. They're playing over in England. That's right. So we're talking Taysom Hill and Danny Sorensen. Browns have Sione Taki Taki at... Tyler Algier and the Falcons. Algier's starting to get more and more carries. That's right. The Commanders, Dax Milne at the Cowboys. How nope. about the Cowboys winning last night? Yeah, that surprised, surprised me. Yeah. So, uh, Seahawks at the Lions. That's Jamal Williams. A couple of touchdowns Sunday Featured for with Jamal. The Lions. He's, he's the best. Is Zach back this week with the Jets? They said he's look, he looked good in warm-ups the other day and that he's likely back. If it could be Zach Wilson's return with the Jets at the Steelers. The Steelers aren't the Steelers they used Not to the be. Not the same old Steelers, but they're still pretty solid on D. The Chargers... That's that's uh, with Kyle Van Noy and Michael Davis will be at the Texans this week, and it's Brady Christensen's Panthers. They're home against the Cardinals. Cardinals are tough to figure out. Yeah, that's what they got going on. Yeah, who knows? And then and then Monday night's game is uh, the Rams and the Niners. Uh, that's going to be a pretty Fred, good game. Fred Warner. Fred's got to deal with Cooper Cup back there, and Cooper Cup's on my fantasy team. So I'm going to be. Oh man, I'm going to be. Fred. I'm going to have some is, struggles. Fred has been that. phenomenal. This day in history, September 27th. You'll be interested to know that uh, there were a lot of things that happened on this day. Yeah, September 27th was a big day, 1779. John Adams negotiates peace terms with Great Britain to end the Revolutionary War. It affects on this all of day. us. It affects all of us. On this day in 1779. Uh, in 1892, on this day, book matches are patented by the Diamond Match Company. You know what? We've all been affected by book matches. I still have diamond matches in my cupboard. <laughs> 1908, and I know the Cubs won the World Series that year, but what's on here for uh, Henry Ford's first Model T automobile leaves the plant in Detroit, Michigan. That also affected all of us. It changed the world is what it did. 1954, the Tonight Show debuts on NBC with a host, Steve Allen, not Johnny Carson. Nope, Steve Allen. 1973, Barbara Streisand releases... The way we were. This did not affect all of us, but the it Billboard did go. Song of the Year, nineteen seventy-four. I, I remember doing a BYU highlight video to that. To the song, music, the way we were. The way we were. And Barbara Streisand was, was amazing. Greg Maddox, two thousand eight, wins his final start of his career, three hundred fifty-five wins. Let me tell you about Greg Maddox. He's a Las Vegan. Yeah. We went to his house one day to interview him after he won another Golden Glove mm-hmm. Award, or it might have been a Cy Young. I'm not sure. Um, and. Um, he has all his gold gloves in a hallway upstairs just lined up. Oh, man. But it's, with, it's, it's away from public eye. I mean, he has to show you. You have to go up to the hall. Uh, but it's, I'll tell you what, it's as an impressive thing as, as you, you, and he wouldn't let us shoot it because he's, he's, he's just not that way. He's the most down-to-earth yeah. guy you'd ever. He, do you but, man, when, he, had a, he had a hallway 
That's amazing. Of what a great Golden player. And what a great guy. Remember when, when you and I used to do a bunch of the UNLV package and Greg used to come to the games? Oh, yeah. Love the, the, love the games. Rebels. Love, love to watch the Rebs. And we got a chance to, to meet and talk to Greg multiple times during that time. Uh, birthdays today. Yeah, 1601, Louis the 13th. No. Yeah, Louis the 13th, right? Yeah. The eighth or, king of France. I was thinking it was Louis the 14th. It's Louis the 13th. Yeah, eighth king of France, born yep. today. Uh, 1772, Samuel Adams was born today. Boston Tea Party. Yeah. And is he the guy, is he the beer guy? Samuel Adams beer? I don't. I think I don't, it's named after it him. It might be named after him. That's the more important. I don't know what right? he drank. That's how people know him today. He didn't like tea. We do know because, that. Because he's the beer guy. <laughs> so 1934, Wilford Brimley, born in Salt Lake City, died in 2020 in, in St. George. I Great. did not know. I went a long time. I so didn't Utah know he was guy. a member of the church. Yeah, Utah guy. And, and what an actor. And and uh, uh, and you can't what, think of uh, oatmeal without. Was it oatmeal with Wilford Brimley? It's the right thing to do, is what he used to say. Yeah. Brimley, I don't know if right it was oatmeal. It was something like that. Uh, 1947, Marvin Lee Aday yeah. was born. That's not, Who's that's that? That's not how we know him. Who's that? That's meatloaf. And then 1972, let, let's let's pepper pots from Iron Man. Yeah. And Gwyneth who Paltrow. is that? Gwyneth Paltrow. Gwyneth Paltrow. I thought she was great in, in that series. So I, how I, old is Gwyneth Paltrow? 82, 92, 02, 12, 20. Is she 50? Yeah, she's 50. Oh, man, Gwyneth Paltrow looks amazing for 50. I didn't realize she was 50. Uh, an interesting death on this day back in 1998, Doak Walker. That's right. Luke the Doak Wal- Walker uh, Award. Luke Staley's the only BYU player to win the Doak Walker Award. Let's just say that Utah's never had a Doak Walker Award winner, though. Can we say that? Yeah, they haven't. Or a Heisman yeah. winner or a national championship. That's or right. The list goes down, down the line. All right, a Lavelle Edwards quote. I'm going to set it up and have you read it. And that will take us out, and then we'll get ready for the game on Thursday. Um, so Coach Edwards played his football at Utah State between 1949 and 1951. I, read an, I wrote an article about him uh, in the Deseret News yesterday. You can get it at Deseret.com. He became the head coach at BYU in 1972, 50 years ago. He's a member of both schools' athletic halls of fame. During his retirement, he visited with the Aggie football team after spring practice in 2010. And here's the advice he gave, as quoted in the Herald Journal. So, so he's referring to you, to Logan, right? Yeah. So he says, you've got to love football, you've got to love each other, and you've got to love your university. If you can buy into that, then everything else is going to fall into place. I firmly believe that. He says, the old adage we used to have around BYU when I was with students was the students would come in there, they spend four or five years trying to figure out how they can get out of there, and then they leave and they spend the rest of their lifetime trying to figure out how they can get back. Isn't that the truth? There's something about our collegiate years. Yep, got to get done, got to get dra- graduate, got to get out. Can't wait to get out. And then, then you get out in the world and you're like, man, I can't wait. To, I, yeah. Like, I wish I could get back. Well, See, you you and I are lucky. We got to get back to Provo. That's why we're two of the luckiest guys. You you went off to Vegas. I moved up to Davis County. We lived away for 30-something years, and then we came back. We got to come back to our homeland. And now we're the wise guys. When we were teenagers, we were called wise something else, but now we're and, the wise guys. And now guys. we work out of an undisclosed basement yeah. in Provo. And like Riley was at an undisclosed location in Logan. Tonight. Well, I, one of our guys tweeted, hey, ask out. Riley, what the weather's like up there in Ogden. That's just so wrong. <laughs> it's so wrong on so many levels. Well, appropriately, in the 50th anniversary of his hiring, BYU's Utah, Utah, uh, BYU's game with Utah State will be played at Lavelle Edwards yes. Stadium, and yes. Patty Edwards is going to light the Y. 
That's just awesome. During yep. pregame yep. festivities. I know Brenda and, and the girls are going to be out with Patty for lunch this week, I think. Oh, good. So it's really, really awesome. And, hey, we'll see you Thursday night. Dave and I will see you Thursday night. Uh, six Mountain on BYU Sports I guess Sports we're at Four Nation. Mountain. I wrote that wrong. Four oh, Mountain. Six, it's six Eastern. Eastern, yeah. yeah. Four Mountain, because the game's going to kick at about 6.15-ish mm-hmm. on uh, on uh, Thursday evening. But we'll we'll join you at Four Mountain on game day. And then we're back next week with Rob Jensen and Travis Hansen, two very powerful, influential, and successful BYU graduates. Uh, you'll join us live from New York. Yep, I'll, I'll be I'll hold here. it down right here. We'll also check in with the alumni folks in Vegas to get all the get details ahead. Dame, Another big fan fest out of that same place the Friday night before the BYU-Notre Dame game, so there'll be thousands of folks. We'll have all the details for you next week the rivalry uh, podcast. game followed by the notre dame game does it get any better and then the arkansas game it's just a, a great time run. to be be in provo and be a cougar podcast will be up tomorrow tell your friends and do us a favor subscribe to us on youtube it's free we're trying to build a massive number there because then it's beneficial for us as we continue this show as well so go to youtube there it is right there that's how you do it so somebody said shout out to boney fuller's uh, we are farmers tweet i have i haven't, I haven't seen, seen it yet, but, but i can only imagine oh, i will go find it another one ed Eyestone is freaking amazing you know what else he is he's number one tonight he's number one in the in the land so thanks everybody have a great week we'll see you next week